attention, you are now entering the debarkation area. No talking, no smoking. Follow the orange line to the processing area. The next scheduled departure to the prison is in two hours. You now have the option to terminate and be cremated on the premises. If you elect this option, notify the duty sergeant in your processing area. Welcome to another episode of Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Christopher. Hey, yo. How you hey, doing? Yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Oh, hey, yo. Oh, hey, oh, I didn't know you were doing right. We talking Rocky here. You're being really rude, you know. I'm doing my best. Here we go. What's up, man? <laughs> What's happening? Not too much. Just yeah. chilling. We have a whole new situation here, soundboard-wise. I'm all, like, got, you know, shit situated. If you're watching the video, I've got a whole new setup where I'm sitting and shit. Uh, we're high-tech, dude. We're moving on up. We are what you moving call on up. Yeah. moving on up, you know? We got a and piece of the pie. We finally got a piece of the pie, finally. you know? And yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's good pie. <laughs> oh, what's I see, the I see, pie? Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> uh, I uh, I see you have your Mike Tyson uh, hoodie on, zipped up with no shirt. Do you have no shirt underneath? No, I got a, a tank top, wife beater. You know. oh, a, a frame or whatever they call them you now. Know I love, you know I love the wife beaters and the wife beating. I enjoy that. I, I, well, I do know that about you. Um, <laughs> do you ever wear your... Uh, I started doing this because I think it's kind of sexy at... Um, conventions at, like afterwards i go up to my room and i take off my clothes uh, i take off my shirt and put on like gym shorts and i put on uh my zip up hoodie just zipped up like to my chest and mm. no shirt underneath and then i go out with a beer and like hang out do you ever do that no oh okay cool um my... <laughs> well I, I don't know what else to say no i i've never just worn it without a shirt no you don't think uh you don't think that's cool or you just don't want to I just it just never occurred to me to do that. Next, uh, what about if at the next convention that we're at together, if we absolutely will do it? Can absolutely. we can we do that together? You know it, baby. Of uh, course, like, of course, yes. you know, like you you're like when you are shirtless, it's a little different from when I'm shirtless. With me, it's like a Robin Williams level of hair and fur. So yeah, um, when me wearing uh, a a a hoodie half undone is a little different from you wearing a hoodie half undone because you're Why, like, because you're you're all smooth and you got the tattoos, whereas I'm it's just like werewolf Robin Williams level of hair. Don't, uh, but chicks I, like that too, right? I know, I know they do. I know they do. Believe me, I know. Oh, I've had many, I've had sorry. many ladies when it came time to get down to some business, shirt came off and they were just like ooh la la. Like some ladies just couldn't keep their hands off the the Harry really? Burt Reynolds chest that I have. Man, I don't like Not hair. Not to mention the big pecs, you know? Big hairy I have pecs. decent okay pecs, dude. My pecs are good for a man my size. I, I didn't say they, they weren't. You're in very good shape. You well, know? thank you for saying that. Like, um, but I talk about how beautiful I am without you getting all insecure about how how less beautiful you are. It's just like my... 
my mom, it's just like when my mom and sister say you're cool, I have to say, but I'm cooler, right? It's just that. Your mom and your sister are always <laughs> saying how cool I am. I know. They love you. They're your number one fan. Shouts out. Spe- yes. um, but here's, yeah, thanks, I don't want any hair. Thanks, thanks, guys. The hair, chest well, Do you hair, not have it or do you wax it off? I, I, uh, I, I shave it off, but it grows in weird thin patches. Yeah. So I don't have like a full like a presentation. So you got kind of like a like a Keanu Reeves beard type of chest hair. Yes, exactly. It, but but a, little a little bit worse. A little bit worse. So I was like, someone needs to talk just real quick. Someone needs to talk to Keanu about his beard. It's really, it's really terrible. Hey, but you know what? He's Keanu Reeves, dude. I mean. He's a villain's head. I mean, I'm not. I'll give him the beard if he wants to have a shitty beard. Let him, man. It's, He's it's a good really beard. Shitty. He. It looks like the beard of like a 15 year old. It's all patchy and shit. It looks terrible. And he's 50 years old, and he looks like a 15 year old. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love Keanu. I do, but that that beard, it's not good. All right. Well, that's so, so. That's my chest. So if yeah. I, if you and I are walking around, and I say I'm letting my my, I just let it go. I go El Natural. Yeah, and we both then we both go out. I'm the one that's looking like a major chump because I've got like a patch here. A, one patch is gonna be like, you, you know, want. curly and red, and another patch is like thin and black. <laughs> you know, like shit. It's like fucked up, man. I don't know. I thought you were Italian. What the hell? <laughs> I am. I am. But you know what? That's funny. That's what's funny is like my brother. My dad is like a, a silverback gorilla. Yeah, uh, he's really. <laughs> big much like taller and like wider frame than i am very like hairy like you know darker skin far like way darker skin yeah. uh, than i have and my brother is way like i said he's young th- six years younger than me but like a head taller than me he's a bodybuilder so he would like love you and all your stupid shit um but i mean no, <laughs> uh but no he, he's like he's like that but he's also like got the uh you know the italian more of the italian shit than i do like i yeah, he's, yeah. you know he's pale like he's got pale skin like i'm super pale mm. um but he's like got dark hair yeah he's, he grew like a big fucking thick viking beard and shit i can't do that yeah, yeah, you know, I can barely, barely do the Keanu Reeves. I'm not Keanu Reeves. I'm sorry. Shouts out Leonardo DiCaprio kind of mustache with my little soul patch thing and some yeah. like, I, like I can do that maybe, but that's pushing it. I could be Grizzly Adams in a fucking week if I wanted to grow a beard. It's crazy. I, yeah. I had friends in high school that had to shave twice a day. Yeah, like in the morning. I, and, and I, I don't do it because <clears throat> I'm too lazy, but I could absolutely do that because by yeah, by five o'clock, I've got a lot of stubble yeah what is that like you must be just filled with testosterone i am i'm all mad what's that like yeah it's uh i'm pretty much just angry all the time i wonder if i should you can tell listening to the show (laughs) you think i have low t should i get a test nah dude i don't think you have low t um you're just you're just not hairy like a lot of guys aren't you know Maybe it does make you less of a man really but i am happy to see you wearing man's clothes men's clothes again what? What was that? <laughs> um, I'll wear whatever I want. Oh, speaking of men, dude. Speaking of men, Charles Bronson is your uh, man. And okay. last night I watched a, a movie called Ten to Midnight. Oh uh, my God! Yes, a canon film uh, with yeah. uh, Charles Bronson. We're and the Nate Slasher. Jesus Christ, that is an awesome fucking movie. <laughs> That's so Isn't good. Isn't it obvious? The knife is his penis. Like it's. <laughs> 
You know what this is for? It's for jerking off, it's isn't it? Jerk. What is this for jerking? Like, okay, everyone that's listening, he like, <laughs> the slasher guy killer is just like, he takes his clothes off because he doesn't want to leave evidence, but they dig in his closet. They find this like. A pocket s- pussy. It, it, but it's like a homemade pre. No, no, it's not homemade. It's, it's, it's like one of those things you buy. It's a pocket pussy. It's like a rubber. It's basically but, the, 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 the Yannick version of a dildo. It's. Okay, I don't know what Yannick means, but it's like the primitive version of a fleshlight. And dude, I've had a pocket a pussy. Yeah. That that is like a pocket pussy that was connected to like a two liter bottle. Yeah, and like it, was, it had like a valve yeah. on it or some shit. I was like, what the fuck? No, and he's it's, like, it's, what is this for? It's this is for weird. jerking off, isn't it? <laughs> yes. No, it's definitely it's definitely weird. But uh, but no, no, yeah, Yannick, Yannick is the opposite of phallic. <laughs> Dude, I was like the whole time. I was like, "Is this what makes me a man? Is this?" <laughs> you know, he had like plastic surgery right before that movie and shit. Um, Charles Bronson did, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Oh, it's uh, a great movie. <laughs> I'm so glad you you watched it. What is this for? This is for jerking off, is it? <laughs> They'll let me out in a week. I'll kill again. No, you won't. <laughs> oh, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good good stuff, man. He's got a couple of movies from that that uh, canon uh, era. Uh, Kinjite is another one. If you want to watch a really ridiculous one, uh, Kinjite, uh, Forbidden Pleasures, I think it's called. Uh, that's a really uh, Kinjite Forbidden Pleasures. I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a Japanese word, Kinjite. Uh, but uh, that that's a really good one. Um, and of course, Death Wish Three. And... I was gonna say Death Wish Three. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nick Nick P and I watched that. And four uh, and like four is four's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, scene where which he one is the one with Bill in it? That's three, three or four. Okay, that's the one I saw. Yeah, four has Danny Trio in it before he was anybody. Oh shit! Well, yeah. Danny Trio's in it. He's in every. He's to be on. To be fair, he's been in a lot yeah. of things. Right? No, he absolutely is. Uh, but uh, but Death Wish Four is also. It's the subtitle is the Crackdown, and it uh, has to do with drugs and drug dealing and uh that's that's what he's going up against and yeah there's a scene where he blows up a couple of gangsters in a uh he blows them up in like a a diner and it's so it like cuts like it shows the guys going oh no and then like it cuts away and when it cuts back the guys are so clearly mannequins when they get blown up it's they're like clearly mannequins it's hysterical oh yeah what was another Fuck! What movie did we watch where somebody got blown up and it was such a mannequin? God, it was one of those like trashy films. Fuck, I forget. I'll remember in a second. But uh, yeah, man, that that was a uh, that was great. Charles Bronson. Um, I don't know if like, I mean, he's just he's take he's got to be taking it seriously. But I wish that like he was. I wish that I he was just like ah fuck it. I'm just cashing chicks. Like he, no, it, no, he was totally like that. Like I've I uh, I know a lot about Bronson because I read two different uh, biographies of Charles Bronson, uh, and I also wrote a short story in my book Growing Dark, uh, available from Blue Juice Books. Uh, I wrote a short story called Legends uh, that was actually about Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin after they die, uh, coming back to Earth to fight demons. Uh, in like, in like to almost to almost in like a purgatory state where it's like they have to do this, uh, because people have watched them and collective belief sees them as heroes, and so they have to become heroes in the afterlife in order to kind of uh, prove themselves. In fact, uh, John Wayne is the one who in, inducts uh, Lee Marvin into this uh, when he when he dies, and then Lee Marvin inducts Charles Bronson. 
John Wayne thinks you can do it. He does. The Duke? The Duke? <laughs> He's got a five spot on you. What about yeah, Marilyn what if... Monroe? <laughs> she doesn't even know you're alive. She doesn't you're alive. <laughs> the way he like, enunciates that. Alive. Alive. Um, Married dude, children. Married children. Married children. Shouts out. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, I also like, um, just uh, since we're on the topic of movies, I sent you this uh, a yes. short video clip yesterday of this it got, film. It got me very excited, I must say. Um, and it, well, as soon as I, you know, I'm, I'm just like scrolling through shit. I'm trying to just watch whatever, just stuff I haven't seen. And uh, I'm on the Scream, uh, no, I'm on Shout Factory, app, the Shout Factory app on a streaming service or whatever on you on my Roku app and on my Roku thing. And I'm looking and I, I find this movie. It's called, um, the haunting of slaughter studio. Yeah. It's like, what is this? And it has pretty much like no trailer to watch, you know, no, not very, very little information, but I'm like, let me give this a shot. And boy, am I glad I did <laughs> because it is, it, it's like, when we when we uh, had the two two part episodes on on trash films and you talked about all the stuff about trash movies, like all I could think of was like, this is it. This is this is this hits. Uh, this checks all the boxes. Uh, yeah, this is yeah. it. Like I sent the scene I sent you in particular. I had to go back and watch it a couple of times. <laughs> now. Now, let me set this up for you. <laughs> These two young ladies who are in this movie. The, the premise is this guy who's trying to make this indie film. He's like a, a serious filmmaker guy, and he's got a British accent. That's how you know he's serious. And his dream is to film this, uh, make his film in Slaughter Studios before it closes down. Because they close it down because somebody died on one of the sets, and they show this flashback. Who fucking cares? And it's supposed to be haunted, and he, and it's it's going to be like blown up. Uh like demolished blown up and he's like we have to do it before then and they're like all right he's got his like fucking group of ragtag weirdos and they're like when he's like we've got nine hours and i'm like nine hours what the <laughs> fuck and so they get all these girls and he's like uh his friend's like don't worry i've got a, a who, who is a woman is like i've got a bunch of friends at my acting class who will come and he's like great make sure they're all right with nudity and a lot of it, like, and they're like, she's like, oh, they are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this movie's gonna be good. Oh yeah, yeah. But he makes these two, these two girls have this scene where they're like uh, a girl on girl scene, and like they're like, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know. They're all like weird about it, but he's like, it's for the movie, and so they start doing it, but it gets, they get so hot and into it that he like, he's like, cut, and they're still going at it with each other. Then they decide to take a shower. And then they take a shower together. And right after that, they're in towels. Yes. And I sent you this scene. That's and the they, scene. Yeah. they stumble. They're like walking through the record, the, the studio, the closed down studio. And they stumble still, into. Still in towels. Still in towels. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Um, <laughs> they stumble into this recording studio part of the, like an audio recording of the, of the movie studio. And uh, the one, the one girl goes into the, uh, the fucking um room with the mic like to like the vocal room and the other girls in the control room separated by the glass and and the girl's like wow let me check that give me a beat and she just like hits one button and this beat comes up like they can hear it everything like you see like all the faders and stuff like and all that shit and uh i'm like oh yeah and this girl that's in the vocal room just starts doing a rap yeah, that is incredible. off the top of her head. That's like it's like I'm freestyling this rap, but what her rap is about 
is the movie that they're making of the movie that they're making. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like she's it's it's meta in a weird way because it's about the movie Slaughter Studio Haunting of Slaughter yeah. Studios. Right. About the movie that they're in that she and the other actress are in within that movie. Right. And she's right. like ta- she's calling all the other girls out. And so it's, it's just, it, it, by the way it's the most white girl freestyle oh, ever it's awful it's so painfully white girl uh it's it's really funny yeah it's it's that it's that something then the tism and the phone number done and then i found it it's just yeah, that yeah. cadence <laughs> on those eight bars the entire time and over and she's and just calling everybody out, like all the characters. And so and so's a bitch. And I said, go to hell. And then we are the naughty kittens because we got no fail. And then, of course, the killer comes in and she's not, you know, the other girls through the glass, like, yeah. look behind you. And she's yeah. like, what? I'm rapping. And then she gets like stabbed and through the for head. For whatever reason, the killer's like a shadow with fog. And it's like, where does all, where does all that come from in a fucking music studio? It's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, like I it. Not, uh, you know, I don't know. I can't remember the last time something touched me as much as that rap did. <laughs> Other than I was like, I cannot believe that I have not seen this and this exists. Yeah. Like, what yeah. in the absolute fuck? That should have been on our trashy shit. But check it out, everybody. If you have the Shout Factory app, I, I have to highly recommend it. Well, it's, that's great. I'm proud of you. You've been watching some good trash cinema with between that and 10 to midnight. So I have been. I rewatched the, From Beyond the other night, too, just because. I was talking awesome. to Danger so Slater good. about it. Yeah, and I... Uh, shouts out to Danger Slater. I was talking to him about it, and I, I just... I was like, I've got to watch it again. So... I'm... Uh, I like to stay hip. I like to stay on the pulse of America. That's true. Uh, you do. So you are it, hip. Oh, the, the, the hippest. Uh, so, whatever is, like, super popular, I always want to, like, check it out and get on it, you know? Right. Uh, you're, so a trend, I, you're, like, a trend follower is what you I'm are. A, I'm a trendy bandwagon motherfucker. So... Uh, what I just recently started watching is uh, a, li- a little show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Sopranos. Uh, took me 20 years. Oh, to... you have not seen The Sopranos before? Never. I've never oh, seen okay. it before. Wow. Cool. <laughs> took me 20 years, but like I said, I like to stay hip. So I'm checking that out. What do you uh, think so far? Been... How far are you into it, and what do you think? Uh, a couple of episodes. It, it's okay. You know, It starts uh, slow. Yeah, well, well, I mean, it's okay. It's it's it's, it's good. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's. It, I don't mean that it's it's bad or anything, but no, I, I like it. Um, my thing about it is when it first came out and everything. I mean, I, for one thing, I was twenty and I didn't have HBO. Uh, but for another thing is when I saw clips of it, I'm like, oh my god, half of these guys are like cartoons, you know, like they're so uh, stereotypically Italian that I was just kind of blew it off. I'm like, oh my god, this is like Fat Tony, you know, from The Simpsons. Uh, but. Uh, the, the main character, Tony Soprano, is not like that. But a lot of the other characters, like Paulie and stuff, are just really, really stereotypical. And so I was like, oh, whatever. But now that I'm watch, actually watching it and not seeing clips of it, it, it works. Uh, and so I've been enjoying it. But yeah, I actually am not a front runner at all. I am not trendy at all. I don't jump on things that are... I know, I'm just clarifying for the audience. Uh, it was a joke on the fact that it took me 20 fucking years just to start watching this show. But yeah, that's what I've been watching recently. If we have to keep explaining our jokes, then we're going to have to stop being a comedy podcast. I'm explaining because you know, but not everybody listening knows uh, that I'm totally not like that at all. I, you know, I, I pay no attention to trends. You're absolutely right. 
you live in the woods and you're a, a, a man of the of the the forest i think a man of the woods yes i'm too busy no. shaving with an with an axe axe yes, uh, you, should, yes. Yeah, you should i keep seeing those instagram videos that you post it's fucking like i like them different background you capture a different background you know it's cool uh there, i like that one where you had bear bring you the axe that was cute yeah it was uh, very cute um uh, I liked the Sopranos. Sopranos is cool for me. I am Italian, like we mentioned earlier. My last name is Caminale. Um, means community in Italian. And the Sopranos was also one of those things that my dad was super into. Mm-hmm. And so he always watched it. And there was like uh, no, there was no question in the house as to like what was going to be watched during that time. It was the Sopranos. Right. And I could like, he didn't care if we sat down and watched it with him like there was no there was no like uh you know my mom like, say, i'll allow it i'll allow like, you yeah but there was no veto you. power for my mom as far as like this is too violent whatever or, like he was like i don't know like it was like everyone sit down in reverence of history or something like and he was super he was just super into it and yeah. those guys a lot of those guys kind of remind me of like uh just my like uncles that i have and shit like the way yeah, they do oh yeah you know it's no, you know like totally uh, totally um i mean i'm um i i like i like stereotypes exist for a reason like you know like the, like there is some basis in reality that those guys although they're cartoonish in some ways like those guys do exist yeah. uh and i i say this as someone who um i'm actually part italian uh my my grandmother on my father's side her whole family was a mix of italian and spanish and so i had those people in my life when i was young too living in new york you know so Mm. i had like the new york italians in my life and yeah those guys definitely exist yeah and i i grew so i was born in pittsburgh for people who don't know i lived there till i was six and moved to texas so texas forever but that's like my relative like i i just knew people like that so that was also kind of like yeah and then, you know, it is like I am enamored with the uh, underworld and the crime, like the, all that kind of right. stuff, I think right. is very interesting. Like my like the n- running of numbers, like my grandmother did that, like and people play the number today, like all of that shit. I just fucking love. Like I read this book right. called The uh, the Corporation uh, by uh, fucking what's his name? Anyway, it's an awesome book about organized crime. There's tons of books about that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and we just recently did a show on, all about uh, crime fiction and crime and film. So yeah, you know, like I, I've been, um, I've always liked crime fiction and and crime films. And but yeah, I've been recently watching more of it. Uh, yeah, I've been working on a crime novel myself, and so yeah, I just popped on The Sopranos. Figured it's time to check it out. It. I can't wait till you get to the end because I really want to. Well, this is this will... is fun. I might. You know what? I might start watching it too, along with you picking up some episodes just so we can chat about it because i really liked the sopranos maybe we could do a maybe we could do a, a sopranos uh organized crime themed episode in the future yeah possibly yeah or you know yeah that's a good idea but i i can't i mean uh i definitely want to talk to you more about it and i think so i'll, I'll pick up some episodes because i'm interested okay. in what you think but All right. anyway um yep. moving on i want to do i do want to give a quick shout out to my sister carrie we were talking about her earlier if you're looking on the video right now she sent me a very cool gift it's a talking peewee doll. Yeah. Ah, la la, ah, la la la. <laughs> and I'm holding it up, and like the voice box doesn't work anymore. But you know, it just sounds like a weird record. But man, is it rad! It is so cool. It's like old as shit, but it's like clean and nice. 
Yeah. And uh, it's awesome. So thank you cool. to my sister, Carrie. Thank you. Shouts out. Shouts uh, out, Carrie. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I'll see you later, dude. All right, dude. Well, uh, so we gotta the... watch the Sopranos, though. Okay. Um, I, like I said, I'm watching it. I'm I think five or six episodes in, and and I'm enjoying it. So. Okay. Um. Uh. So yeah, I guess that brings us to our first uh, segment, which is book of the week. <laughs> Book and yeah, fuck yeah! You hear that shit, dude? Look, man, we're learning this shit. Do you? This is gonna make our lives so easy now. Yeah, okay. To have this, I, I understand insane. it. I understand. It's and like people, people at home, to... they understand too. <laughs> They're not having to hear the the. Do you want to just hun- do it again? Or... No, that's fine. Okay. I like that. That's good. Leave it in. <laughs> I have that. I, I uploaded uh, the riff part in there just for like, like if we have like a fuck up so that I could just hit. I just, that was like for me to hit randomly and uh, surprise you. So okay. surprise. Surprise. Book of the week. Oh, I forgot. This is me. I'm doing book of the week this week. <laughs> I got all excited about the riff and the fucking hitting the buttons and shit. And uh, that's why we need an intern oh, to yes, do the buttons, do. dude. A sexy um, 22 year old intern. To, to take care of our buttons. Yeah, okay. And uh, you can go ahead and apply at... Call us on the Corey Hotline. Uh, call us on the Corey Hotline, which we'll be, uh, you know, talking about later. But yeah. <clears throat> book of the week. So, Chris, I was talking to, to you a little bit about this off mic. But this uh, book of the week is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Now, I... Uh, most of you probably know the name Grady Hendrix. He um, uh, from Paperbacks from Hell. He wrote or co-wrote that that whole book about the history of those the '80s boom of uh, horror paperbacks and the and uh, all of that and the rise and fall of it. Um, yeah, it's a great book. And he's also working with somebody. They're reissuing some of those titles. Um, uh, I got like Stage Fright and a couple other ones, and those are very cool. You can check those out uh, from him as well. But this is one of uh, his. Uh, regular fiction books. Thank you, ma'am. Um, beer delivery. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, and, you know, you you know, okay, it's like a horror book. You you look at it. I looked at it, and I was like, okay, Grady Hendrix, like, you know, be, this is going to be cool. Horror, vampires, I like vampires. And if you've read, like, his other work, like My Best Friend's Exorcism, um, have you read that? Uh, I, I have it. I haven't read it. Um... It's just it's I'm not really into the um young adult stuff. Um, it's dude, it is not. It he has this way of sub of subverting um what kind of like he's uh, ba- like burying the lead doesn't even really do it justice to say that. Mm-hmm. So like let me give an example. So that book is like not really a YA book. It's fucking intense and crazy. Uh, but this book, he, he he sets it up in his first of all, in his his intro, he talks about his inspiration for this book was growing up, his mom um, and all the neighborhood moms and stuff, all the stuff that they did while we were at school or at soccer practice and, and the shit that we don't realize till we get older that that moms did uh, to keep like the family together or to keep you going just in this kind of like in the sense of where, how he grew up. 
right. uh, type of situation. So I guess he grew up in a small like kind of neighborhood town where everybody knew each other. And like, so that's kind of based on this. And yes, it has a vampire in it. It has a vampire that it, the story revolves around heavily. However, it is mostly about like it is mostly about family and issues and how a family like can grow and change just in like a three year period and the effect that outside uh, people and pressures and op- and and opportunistic things have on a family unit and it. Like, that's really what it's about. And I was telling you, I I get to this point, like, I'm devouring this book, and it's got all this heavy shit going on, and I get to this one point where I'm, like, almost, I maybe 30 pages left in the book, and I just start bawling. Like, bawling crying. My dog, like, Cerberus comes running in the room when he heard me, like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, oh, it's okay. And he was like, oh, pussy. And he ran away. Uh, (laughs) But no, I was like, and then like, I couldn't stop like for the whole book. Like I was like, oh, and then this happened. I was like, oh, and then that had to, but why, you know, and I'm just like going off and, and it's so good. It's so well-written. It grabs you at the front and it's, it's very got this light feeling that drags you down so quick that you don't realize that you're already there and it's happening to you. And you're like, oh my fucking God. So I highly recommend this book. Um, Anytime but, a book can move you that way, uh, that, that it actually make you cry and like, you know, really, really deeply touch you. I mean, that's that's a special thing when a book can do that. That's a special thing, a special thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. And I don't cry easy. I, I'm not like a, a manly man. Like, I don't cry like I'll cry. It's shit. But like I, sure. I it was just like it happened and it was just couldn't uh, it wasn't stopping. But that's a great book. And then I started also reading his uh, book called Horror Store that I had of his, too. That's like it's it actually looks like right. an Ikea catalog. Yes, it does. About an yeah. Ikea, Ikea type store. And it's, it's yeah. I'm almost yeah. done with it. It's, it's great. So very cool. Very cool. Check out Grady Hendrix, folks. Check him out um, on all that stuff. Uh, paperbacks from hell and check out the paperbacks from hell that he's re-releasing. They're very cool. Yeah. Yeah, they are. All right. So. Now with that, we've gotten through that. Uh, we're going to get into our next segment, and this segment is very popular. We get yes. calls on the Corey Hotline about it all the time. This, of course, is. Are you ready? I am ready. You so ready? So ready, dude. Ridiculous reads. <laughs> Oh man, ridiculous reads. Waka waka waka. Uh, this week it's my again. I'm like it's double double stuffing it, dude. Yeah. I'm double <laughs> stuffing <laughs> it. And well, double double stuffing, double fisting. Yeah. Well, as you know, we keep these things kind of secret from each other, or not secret, but we like to surprise each other with these things. Yeah, we things. keep them clandestine. Yeah. Okay, and um, so this week. <laughs> Uh, is no exception, and uh, I've chosen a book that, you know, um, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to jinx it, but Nick P. and I have submitted this book to replace the Gideon Bible in uh, hotels, and we've actually taken it upon ourselves to all of the hotels we stay in, remove the Gideon Bible, and replace it with this book. Now, is is it the Robert Crumb Book of Filth? that I got for you because that should definitely replace the Bible. Well, yeah, it, you know, it's one of the things that should replace the Bible, but this one is mm-hmm. the novelization of yes! Howard the duck. 
Yes, I agree. <laughs> this should be your new Bible, people. Yes. It's a duck. That, now, let me tell you this. All of you are like, how are the duck? What's that? That's stupid. Um, he's a character in your MCU, your Marvel Cinematic Universe, people. The most important one. If not the most important, the uh, most important. Uh, <laughs> and he had his own movie before any of these clowns did. Uh, he did. <laughs> At he least did. a major motion picture. Yeah, which was... He fucked. He had tits in the first 15 minutes of this movie. The first five minutes of this movie have duck tits. Duck tits, yes. And you're sitting well, here you... saying, oh, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. They're so cool. Fuck you. Uh, Fuck well, you. So, so everyone knows Howard the Duck is basically... A anthropomorphic, uh, you know, duck man. You know, he, he's a man and a, he's a duck at the same time. Uh, and the comic books are are actually on a not necessarily like a Fritz the Cat, Robert Crumb level of filth, but they're like they're pretty like dirty, raunchy. He's like a foul mouthed duck. And yeah, in the beginning of the movie, they they have this uh, this this woman, this duck woman, uh, taking a bath, and you get to see full on duck tits, um, which is hilarious and wonderful. Uh, and he also ends up uh, banging Leah Thompson. He does. Uh, in the... she, she finds a condom in his wallet. Yeah. It's also much. at the beginning of the movie. So you're like, wow, dude, this duck fucks, man. He does. For sure. So as um, you can imagine, this, this film was a huge, huge success. The kids... Just a... <laughs> they re they kept bringing it back. They kept extending the theatrical run. It just yeah, like made yeah. money hand over yeah. fist. They never people did a sequel just because like how could you top it? But I, yeah, the people loved it. It's it's the highest. It continues to be the highest grossing film of all time. Uh, we're lying. It, it was a huge disaster. <laughs> it was a huge disaster. But I probably watched it on HBO enough times to make up for some of the money that it lost at the at the box office. Mm. Um, uh, can I read the back to you, to you, uh, please of this? Now, this is the novelization of the movie, Howard the Duck, uh, from George Lucas, creator of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark comes Howard the Duck. Most adventure than humanly. Oh, more adventure than humanly possible. <laughs> A novel by Ellis Weiner based on the screenplay by Willard, Willard Hayek and Gloria Katz. Mm. Okay. He's come to earth from a distant planet. He's the toughest duck ever to walk the streets of Cleveland. And he's going to save the world from an alien menace that threatens to destroy all life as we know it. He's strong. He's invincible. He's Howard the Duck. And I'd like to read, uh, I'd like to read from uh, a passage. If we could all turn in our, our Bibles to uh, <laughs> Please, yes. Howard chapter 2. Uh, no, I'm going to read a, a part. Um, Open your prayer books, people. <clears throat> uh, this is... Um, uh, shortly after Howard has come to our world, the Earth, um, if you will. Uh, Maybe that's your world. I don't know. He, he gets sent. No, that's not a spoiler alert. He gets sent to Earth, uh, Earth One, probably. Mm. And, uh, you know, and he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm. The hard time began almost immediately in the form of four huge menacing natives. They saw Howard just as he saw them. And they moved slowly into the alley, staring at him in wonder. At least, it looked like they were registering. Around the makeup, scars, and tattoos of their faces. Wonder. And cutting off any escape. Howard had expected this planet's life form to be ugly, but this quartet was really more horrible than necessary. For one thing, they had no feathers at all. 
just some thin, brown, moss-like growth on their heads. Their bills were barely worthy of a name. (laughs) And it was hard to see how they managed to stand upright since their feet were, compared to a duck's ordinary webbed ones, tiny. Their clothes looked suitably odd, too. Leather jackets studded with spikes and metal buttons, chains, amulets. Did he meet you? Is that what it was? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Their clothes... No. I lost my... Oh, Howard guessed they belonged to some kind of warrior class armed for battle. Then he took a wild guess. Are you the police? He asked, hopefully. Two of them laughed. A third sneered. Yeah, right. Oh, God, another moaned. I'm like, so ripped, man. I'm seeing a talking duck, okay? They moved toward him. Howard felt his heart suddenly start thudding in his chest. This was civilization? This was a civilization of barbarian killers. These creatures probably ate ducks. He struggled to get up and run, but his foot was caught in one of the springs protruding from the chair. The four giants loomed over him, blocking out the light. He could hear the creak of their leather garments as one of them bent down and picked him up. (laughs) The creature's touch was surprisingly gentle. Howard found himself in a gruesome face with this leering featherless biped who turned to his fellow barbarians and said, Hey, man, like I just picked up this talking duck. Big deal, man, another said. So like now what do I do? Ooh, like eat it for Thanksgiving, man. That's <laughs> a turkey jerk face. Ooh, you're a turkey, scuzzbrain. Scuzzbrain. Did everyone on this planet talk like this? Howard began to fear that he'd landed on a world of mental defectives. (laughs) One of these creatures now leaned close to Howard's face and said, Hey, like, Polly, you want a cracker, man? The name's Howard, the duck said, and that's not a bad idea. I could use a bite. Oh, let's give him to Bender, man, one of them said. The one holding Howard laughed. Oh, great, Bender will freak. Howard had no idea what they were talking about, but apparently... They thought the prospect of Bender freaking was a good thing. The four trooped off toward the building from which the noise had seemed to double in volume. The one carrying Howard held him under his arm like a football. Maybe I ought to resist, Howard thought as he transported out of the alley toward the unrelenting din. I mean, I am just taking this lying down. Oh, Duck World, he... Oh, on Duck World, he had seen (laughs) enough movies and TV shows... To know that red-blooded ducks were supposed to be heroic. You don't have to be a macho mallard to be aware of the fact that society expected you to fight back and win. But that was fiction. Adventure stuff. Cheap melodrama and revenge fantasies written by birds who probably, like Howard, had not been in a fight in their entire lives. Yeah, that's, that's fiction. This is real. Did real adults actually haul off and sock other real adults? Should he try to fight back against these creatures now? Said who? And besides, one puny Howard against these four chain-studded giants? The line between a courageous effort at defiant self-defense and being smashed into duck confit against a wall was a fine one. But it wasn't invisible. 
Still, that didn't keep Howard from feeling doubly miserable, not only afraid of what might happen, but actually embarrassed to be so helpless. Aww, this is gonna be humiliating, he thought. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And the rest, my friend, when you check into your next local hotel, open your uh, bedside drawer and you will find a copy of Howard the Duck, the Bible. Praise him. Praise him. Uh, this is a great movie and a great book and a great novelization. And you <laughs> it's should actually uh, none of those things. Invest in all of those. <laughs> Weren't they going to uh, make a new Howard the Duck movie? Because he does have an appearance at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy one, I think, in the bonus scene, or and then he's in part two. Is that? I don't know. Okay. I, I I stopped watching comic movies uh, years ago because it's oh, just okay. the oversaturation. You know, it's like it's like like zombie movies. You know, it's like yeah. it's just how many times. Um, how many times can you watch Spider-Man zip around and shoot webs? You know, it's like you're watching the same movie over and over again. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I also. I mean, I've only watched a few of those movies. I think there's like twenty some in the in the series. But I did watch. What were we talking about? Not Spider-Man. The Howard the Duck. Galaxy. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and in the, in the bonus, like after credits roll or something, Howard the Duck is in it. Yeah, you said but that. It, but it's not like. The Howard the Duck from this movie is like a CGI weird version of it. But, of course. Yeah. But, but I, I was asking if you knew anything about him getting a movie and you said no. I thought he was supposed to get his own movie. Like a new I, one. I have, no, I have no idea. I don't know why they would be crazy enough to do it again after the fucking disaster of the first one. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know either, but I would go watch it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, wouldn't you? Eh, I don't know. It depends. Um, if it like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Actually, probably not. Uh, CGI Howard the Duck. I don't need that in my life. Okay, fine. I'd rather okay. have the. I'd rather have the, the 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 you know little person in a in a costume or whatever they did the puppetry. I'd rather have that. I like that better. I'd rather have that too, and the puppetry yeah. of the penis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, that's all I got on Howard. Um. I forgot what else I was going to say, but it doesn't matter because we're over it at this point. We've we've moved on from the ridiculous reads of this week. So mm -hmm. cheers to Howard. Cheers to you, my friend. Uh, cheers to you. But this brings us to a brand new, uh, it does a brand new situation that I've been kind of excited about. This is real. This is really exciting. Um, for those who have been listening, uh, we do we have made the Corey Hotline an official hotline. Uh, there, there is a number that you can call. Do you happen to have that number on hand? Uh, I do, and it is. Uh, we got to have this memorized at some point, but it's know, eight three two. Um, see, we got to find like what these, what, like the letters that coordinate to these, and make it something fun. Eight three two nine three zero one three four seven. Yeah, that's the Corey hotline. Eight three two nine three zero one three four seven and what happens is when you call this there you leave us a message and we will play it on uh the show yeah and, and, we, and, what we want what we want you to do is ask us anything ask us a question uh or uh or whatever the hell you want to do and uh we will we will play it on the show uh and we will respond to it yeah as we're going and, to do right now for the very first time so this is an all-new segment, one. folks. This is the Corey fucking hotline. Corey hotline. Here we go. 
Um, all right. So thank you, everyone, to call who called in on this uh, first one. And let's get to it and see what we got. You ready, Chris? I'm ready. Let's hear it. There we go. Uh, John Wayne and Chris. Hi, Bill Watson. I uh, live in the clock building. I have a question. If your podcast is so good, why do you allow bad things to happen? Um, well, uh, thanks for calling, uh, yeah. Bill. I, I let them happen because I, I want bad things to happen to people. Uh, I want bad things to happen to everyone but me uh, on a very regular basis. I find it very humorous. Oh, oh, that, okay. Uh, I also um, I let bad things happen because uh, it's inevitable and it's a balance. So also, uh, you know, I'm not in charge of that and neither is your benevolent God because he doesn't exist. Mm. So all of this chaos that's happening is random. So if it happens to you, who fucking cares? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but I will say uh, this. I will say said? this. Like John Wayne and I can fix everything if you just unshrink us. If you would just unshrink us, Clacktow. I, I mean, let us out. Yeah. And we can fix it. But as you, you as refuse you, to. As you, as, as for some of for those of you who don't know, uh, this caller uh, was actually referencing a Trials of Horror episode of The Simpsons. Uh, so we appreciate that very much. I have a I have an inkling that this might be author Stephen Kazanowski, um, who is also a big Simpsons fan, but mm. I'm not sure, but we'll find out. Never heard of him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next. <laughs> Unshrink us, please. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, that's good for that one, right? Let's listen to another one. Yeah, yeah. That was good. All right, here we go. Hey, Chris and John. Uh, this is Phil. Um, my good friend of Chris's from way back in the day, uh, John, I've never met you personally, but you seem rad. If Chris can tolerate you, then you're a good person. Anyway, okay. two questions for you guys. Uh, I sent Chris some like weird bullshit, drunken writing. Um, and as two writers that I really respect, um, wow. I've been trying to tune up my writing game. And someone recommended me the Elements of Style uh, by Shrunk and White. Uh, which basically tells you how to not be an idiot when you're writing books. Uh, is there any other advice for someone like trying to write, like trying to create stuff, trying to put something out there? Like, how did you guys uh, just basically write and get your stuff published? Uh, my artwork is like, as an artist, visual artist, um, people really like my stuff, but I kind of want to, do some comic book stuff, which obviously I need to write some stuff. And apparently my writing is terrible. I have really good ideas. I just can't get them <laughs> from my brain onto uh, a piece of paper where people are like, oh, that's interesting. Instead of going, wow, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my question. And love both of you. And love you too, anytime you two fuckers are in Portland, let me know, and we'll have a beer. Uh, John Wayne will smoke some weed. Chris will drink some whiskey. All right. Have a good night. Cheers. Love the podcast. Later. All right. Thanks, Phil. Love you, buddy. That's yeah. awesome. Th thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Call. Um, and do you want to? Uh, how do you want to take this? Those are those are kind of a couple of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think the big question was um, uh, how to per perfect writing. I think that was the big question there. Um, 
and the best advice that I can give is is like anything that you're trying to perfect is just practice, practice, practice. Uh, you know, read read a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're trying to write fiction, read a lot of fiction. Read fiction that you wouldn't normally read. Um, read you know, out of like, your comfort zone. Absolutely. You know, read books by different uh, by the two different genders. Read books by different races, different cultures, different you know books that come from different countries. Uh, read read and, things that are the mainstream, like shit that you'd be like, "This is stupid," but read uh, one or two of them and see that, like what's going on. Like that's a right. real thing. You know, I even recommend uh, to people. Uh, that uh, that you, you know, particularly men, that you read a romance novel or two, uh, because these books appeal so much to women uh, that it helps you get get an idea of what a lot of women readers look for, and I think it helps you get a better idea of the female psyche as well, um, so you can write your female characters better. Um, I'm not saying much that, kissing for me, right? I'm not saying that romance novels <laughs> is the only thing that women read. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. But they're enormously popular, uh, and it actually plays into like uh, the uh, the uh, or, or it plays to the erotic uh, center. Uh, you know, like men are very visual uh, erotically, whereas women are very uh, mental and emotional. Um, so yeah, I, I think you should read out of your comfort zone. Uh, also, uh, just write, 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 dude. Just keep doing it. Keep working on it. Uh, be critical of yourself, and definitely finish something before you send it off to other people. Don't send snippets of something. Don't send. Okay, how am I doing so far? Because that's impossible to say how you're doing so far. There's no being on the right track. You just have to write something, and then you have to go back and you have to edit it and you know rewrites and until you you're confident with the, with it as a finished product then you put it on to somebody else to give commentary um crit- critique it uh and send it back to you so you could do yet more edits yeah i i was gonna say all, all of those things i definitely agree with you on that <clears throat> i think you know we've spoken a little bit about this where it's an incremental thing um, you, you know, you, it, it's a, you have to build on these skills daily. You know, it has to be something that's built in. And like you said, you're a comic book, uh, artist, Phil. So I imagine like, you know, you, you didn't just wake up one morning and were fucking super cool, great, great at drawing, you know, exactly. even if you have a raw talent, you know, which I, you know, I believe, you know, like, like I can't speak for everybody like Chris, you were definitely talented. I think I'm talented. Uh, but it's Absolutely. a raw talent. A lot of people have raw talent. It doesn't mean that you're just like, well, I don't have to refine this. Like, no, you have to refine your talents. And you probably were gifted at drawing and just drew and drew and drew. And now it's nothing. It's it's like second nature. But that's right. how writing is. And like it is like you have to, uh, you know, write, read out of your comfort zone, read constantly. If you're sitting there like what, like I'm going to watch this stupid movie about about Hooters that John Wayne and Chris talked about. <laughs> read a book instead. Like, I yeah. promise you, even if it's Howard the Duck or Twilight, it's better than yeah. those things. And um, also, if you're like, I don't know what to write about. You know what? Start a journal every day. Write something in your journal, even if it's like last night I rented, you know, the Hooter movie that Chris and John Wayne talked about and ate pizza. Then I threw up. Boy, those guys are stupid. Like that is like legit shit that I will write in my journal. I mean, keeping it my fucking journal document on my computer. It's like 597 pages. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you just do it. And it's it's like it's like greasing the gears. It's like uh right. Stretching right. before you go run or something like that. So those are the kind of that, things that I recommend. Yeah, and I will say, um, like, 
a lot of times you'll be writing uh like this happens to be where i'll you know i'll be writing and like i will be a little bit blocked up blocked up that day or whatever but like even if you write say a, a thousand words that's something and even if you write say two thousand words and then the next day you look at it and you're like okay this is crap i can't use this fine you were still practicing you're still in the practice uh it's okay to write shitty stuff sometimes uh and then go back and, and you know as long as you're admitting to yourself that it is shitty and you go back and you change it around uh and when it comes to talent yeah that i i agree with you and um that you know it, it's kind of frustrating when some people say oh you're so talented i wish i could write like that i wish i could draw like that as if you were just born being able to do it it's like no you, you worked at it you worked you know for years and years to be as good as you are uh mm -hmm. people aren't just i mean like people can be naturally inclined to tell stories um you know or or people can be can gravitate to, towards drawing uh, you know as a child or whatever but People aren't born talented. You you work for it. Uh, I would also say that there's uh, a lot of books out there on the craft of writing. You mentioned uh, Strunk and White, which is important. Um, but that's but more about like uh, that's grammatical. Nuts and bolts. Yeah, that's like here you comma here and that like that's. No, more yeah, like that's that. grammatical, but that's important. That's yeah. very important. You know, like you need like it's not enough to be to have the story in your mind. And it's not enough for you to understand what you're writing. Your reader needs to be able to read it and be able to understand it. And that's where proper grammar comes into play. Uh, but there's there's many things on the craft of writing um, that you can read that you can go and read. Some of my favorite ones is Stephen King's On Writing. Uh, Great book, yeah. David Morell's um, uh, The Successful Writer. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of them out there that you can that you can check out. Uh, what so. is that? Oh, I would recommend The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. That's what I was trying to see. Uh, that it's it's not necessarily just about writing, but it's about creating um, and being a creative person and, and uh, all of the obstacles that we kind of create to keep ourselves from doing things daily. Uh, it's called Resistance. And like it deals like this book, like will break you down uh, if you're. I don't know, man, because I feel like different ways about this kind of stuff, because like I'm 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 like a do or do not. There is no try Yoda type of person. Mm. Um, so it's like commit to it or don't like don't talk about it. Like and I also I'm not into self-deprecation of like, well, like like and I'm not trying to call like fill out. But he says, like, my writing sucks, apparently, like on the on the message. And that sucks to think that don't think that, dude, you just you're just figuring it out you know it's not like you it's not like you have 10 books out and everyone's like your writing sucks you know it's just like you're doing no, it you're just, just you're just working on it it's just yeah exactly progress yeah and maybe it's not ready for for other people to read you know but uh you know the, but you just have to keep working at it um as far as yoda um the whole like do or do not there is no try it's i i, I don't know i think there is trying uh because there's trying but there i mean it in the sense of like uh just don't talk about it. like there's too much well, that's talking. Not trying, but that's not trying yeah just 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 talking about it yeah that that's a lot of people fall into that trap it's like oh i got this great idea for a book and i'm totally gonna work and then they never write anything um yeah that that's that's not trying though i think i in my mind if you're trying that's the important thing you're trying you're working towards it and then eventually you'll get to the doing the actually having a book finishing a book putting it out there um you know uh, that that's that's to me is the doing but uh anyway uh thanks phil love you buddy i've, I've known this guy long time um haven't seen him in a long time but uh we go way back and i want to say phil i love you long time um and yes. i also want to clear i also want to clarify i'm not saying like i'm against trying but i'm, I'm like <laughs> yes, I, it, you are though 
<laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's You're just not like don't good. talk about trying. Like yeah. that's what I'm talking about. The lesson like, is like never try. <laughs> that's true. No, but we talked about this, and I have a problem, and I did want to mention this because you mentioned word count earlier. Uh, I don't give a fuck about your word count. Like honestly, I don't want to hear about. It. Now I'm not talking about you specifically, Chris. I'm talking about like you know word count. If you're if you're just writing, like even if you write 200 words because you know that's all you could get out in that day, that's something. Sure. But I also don't want to hear you on Twitter talking about like I oh 300 words about time after 10 days. Like I don't want to hear about that because mm. I don't fucking care. Like just do it. Like this is what we're supposed to do because you're a writer. So why do you need to tell me that you're doing it? I I assume you're already doing it. And that's kind of the attitude that I was talking about, I guess. Mm. Maybe got lost in the translation. You know me, dude. I get hardcore and I start getting like mean, yelling. Well, at least you're not bitching about Butterfingers. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no names. No names. Oh, my God. I, don't, <laughs> I can't even. I can't. I can't even. Should All we move right. on to the next? Uh, thanks. Hey, Phil. Next- yeah, I, I do want to say, Phil, thank you for calling in. Do I appreciate it, man? Any other questions yeah. you have, give us a call. And when we're in Portland, uh, yes, you will uh, smoke me out. And yes, uh, you will give whiskey to me and Chris. And we love you for it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's listen to another one here. What, what do we got? Hi, Ravi. My name is Shiva. I just want to talk to you. Can you please call me in your free time? Thank you. Have a nice day. Huh. So is this that guy you met when you were wearing the women's clothes? Okay. Um. First of all, <laughs> so that's an interesting one because <laughs> it, it is. Did he say I, Sheila? He, he did, did he say, say Sheila. Hi, Sheila? Yeah. He said, "Hey, Sheila. Mm. I want to give you a talk to you. Give you a call. Give me a call." Um. So what I hope, and I I mentioned this to you off off air that off off air, off mic that um I hope that this number that is the Corey hotline number is is a woman's number that she gives out like as her fake number to people who are just like what's your number baby and like she's like yeah, yeah it's 832 Corey hotline right. you know like <laughs> i really hope that that's the case because Absolutely. i want i want more messages like this just so i could build the narrative yes in my, yes. In my head you know who is who is this sheila is that even really her name <laughs> where did she meet this guy how many times how many times is he going to call mm-hmm. before he stops calling for sheila especially since the message i was gonna say even like like the (laughs) fact that he heard the message which is is currently the message is actually just the commercial for the Corey haim Corey feldman hotline from the 80s uh that's that's the fucking that's the voicemail message before you get the beep and this this guy is like hey sheila give me a call uh so that's it. That's that's the best message we've gotten so far. <laughs> Maybe he thinks it's one of those like funny messages, like right. "Hello, hello, Ha-ha, I can't, I can't you. oh, that's just me. I'm not here, Matt." Or it's like, "Believe it or not, Chris isn't at home, so leave a message at the Show beep." Show me the message. Show yeah, it's me it's the it's, message. Maybe he thinks it's one of those like uh things, but Maybe. it's not, dude. It's not, and Nothing. I really hope that he calls back. Yes. To look for Sheila because that was fun. Uh, good. Guy, good luck. But yeah, we have one more. Sure. We do have one more voicemail. Uh, right. So let's listen to it. Hello, my name is George Silverman, and I'm I'm calling for the, for the Corey Hotline 
to speak to the John Wayne and and the Christopher. Okay. I I just wanted to know what you two gentlemen your your opinion of course. What type of tea you drink, being from Texas, the sweet or the unsweet, and if Christopher Triana and his Yankee ass drinks it with or without <laughs> human semen. Please answer this question on your podcast. Love you both. Long time listener. Bye bye. All right. Uh, now, did he say? Did, did he ask if I drank it with or without semen? Yes, I'm he a, did he, ask that. Okay. Yeah. He said okay. your Yankee ass drinks it with or without semen. Now, yeah. say amen. Now uh, I'll say it. so. Tea. Uh, is a big southern southern thing, and I live in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now here, like uh, I would say here. Now I don't drink tea because I just don't like it. I've never had a taste for tea. My mom, everyone I know, loves fucking tea. I don't drink tea, uh, but I smoke a lot of green tea. If you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, here it's unsweet. It's unsweet tea in Texas, and then you sweeten it. Uh, sweet tea, I think, is like a Georgia thing, like uh, Carolina. Uh, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. Like, I just know that my ex-wife drank tea and she would get un- it was always unsweet because she would like pour half of a sh- like a sugar pour into like she had to put all this sugar into it and do it herself. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what is important to people in this area is like getting the tea sweetened to your specifications, not having the pre-sweetened tea. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my opinion you asked for i guess or a fact or uh i don't so i don't even drink tea but um i'll smoke a lot of weed chris how is your semen tea drinking going these days <laughs> well i want to say that i also don't drink tea because i'm a man and i'm an american uh so i don't know what the hell yeah uh, georgie is talking about um but uh i'm glad you like the show I, i'm glad you called in um uh, and I, I think it's adorable that you're holding on to this uh, Civil War hatred of the North. Uh, like, you know, the, the ultimate sore losers are Southerners. Uh, you know, <laughs> they had the Confederacy for four years, and they're still bitching about it. Uh, so uh, congratulations Christ, on that. Dude. Congratulations on that. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. I got to give it back to the guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> come on we're joking around here I know, uh, that, is, that, that is totally true though yeah, um yeah. but uh anyway uh no um i i you know i don't like to take away the the, the semen flavored tea from your mother uh so i let her have it all and i just drink um uh, whiskey like a man your mother now your mother. Do, do you think this is somebody just messing around do you think of this is somebody it is. you know no, of course it is and i'm Back. Come on. I'm no, I know. I, I, of course, I'm being sarcastic as well. This has got to be one of your friends. This has got to yeah, be. I don't something. know who it is. I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be. Greg, is your big dick's dad's calling in from the death? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's got to be somebody. But what's uh, happening? Yeah, but but even if it's not, even if it's just the listener and his real name is George, uh, you know, uh, thank you for calling. It was really funny. And I'm, and I hope you know I'm being funny back. You are being funny back. Thank yeah. you, baby. I got another beer. Look at this. We're just getting these beers brought to us. And uh, and 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 everybody, thank you for calling. And you can call the Corey hotline. Lot, call us, please. It is 832-930-1347. 832-930-1347. It is also up. Uh, there's a banner uh, up on both of our social medias, uh, Chris's, Chris's and myself. That has the number. If you go to our Twitter uh, at Coyote Chris, or Coyote Chris with two Ks, or at John Wayne is dead, 
you will see there is the number posted on our Twitter, and I'm going to have a banner posted on Chris and John Wayne, uh, dot com uh, soon because I just got a hacked version of Photoshop. So I will be uh, back to the Photoshopping. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be up there. But please give us a call. Ask us questions. Um, serious and, questions and, like and Phil did or funny questions. That's fine. And feel free to ask Sheila questions. <laughs> feel free because apparently <laughs> Sheila's just given this number out to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to go out with her. And uh, you know what? I, I hope that we make a love connection. Maybe we could hook her up with George so he's not... You know, so angry about losing the Civil War. Uh, maybe, so, maybe that's what he needs. Maybe By the way, well, the clock nurse... tower. Maybe, maybe the collector will put her in my lodge. Maybe so. Take him away. The, wait, before we get off of this, I just want to say, okay. like, Northerners have absolutely no like bitterness towards Southerners at all because we don't even think about you people. You know, it's just it's just funny, like how how angry like the, you the people. Yeah. You people, it's it's not that. It's because you have it's because you have no pride. Like oh, you have I no see. pride in in yourself or your where you're well, from. Because we're we're too busy winning. We're still too busy beating you guys at everything. So oh, are you? Oh, yeah. are you? Yes. Okay. Your, your your big pride is the Confederacy and the Alamo, which you lost like both. So <laughs> I don't have any pride in the Confederacy. <laughs> But the Alamo is a great movie. We talked about it. John Wayne. I know we did. We did. Uh, David Bowie is in it. Uh, yes, John Wayne and David Bowie. They weren't just. <laughs> they were really there, as we discussed. Yes. They were actually fighting in the Alamo War. That's what it's called, the Alamo War. Dude, that should be a book that we co-write, the Alamo War, and it's a sci-fi. <laughs> it's a sci-fi war, like war. Yeah. featuring John Wayne as one of the generals and David Bowie as the other one. And they're fighting for the Alamo War. Yeah, John Wayne is is Kirk, and Pat Dick and Bowie is Khan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you say Dick Bowie? Him too. Yes, Dick Bowie. That's very, very freaky, man. It's pretty, That's pretty freaky. Pretty, yeah, it's me, yeah. David no, Bowie. To be fair, I I did uh, I I spent a great deal of my life in the South, so I know. Uh and hated it. But anyway, moving I, on. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> Oh god. No, I just I, I love it when people bust balls and I have to give it back. So uh, so we do, we bust balls, baby. Okay, so uh, now that we've gotten through all of that, uh, mm -hmm. we're going to get into our big topic for uh tonight. And it's funny because um two mm -hmm. episodes ago, uh we we had planned to talk about this topic, but we ended up going completely off the rails talking about hooters. Uh, and mm -hmm. titty bars, uh, yeah. as as you, we do, because we're manly men with hairy chests. At least I have one. I don't. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, that, that it was. I I can't wait to hear that one and to figure out where it all went wrong because I can't remember how it happened, but it happened. But anyway, I'm we're pretty. Sure, I, I pulled it off of the rails pretty early. Yes. Yes. As you do. Um, as I am want to do. <laughs> as, you, as you want to do with your weed and your peewee dolls. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh anyway um yeah so this was the topic we were going to do and then we put it off uh because we wanted to do a thanksgiving episode but now we're back uh on on track and we're going to do our topic so that brings us to our first topic which is one two three four john carpenter Oh, Johnny, Johnny Carpenter. 
my hero. Welcome yeah. to the Johnny Carpenter times. Um, John Carpenter. Yeah, we my, decided, you know, we're going to take more uh, of a um, kind of my, my uh, fine. Uh, we're going to, you know, hone in our approach to certain topics mm-hmm. and not and not talk so speak so broadly about things. And so we're so we decided to start with uh, the nudie bar, really. But the then then we started <laughs> now. Now we're going to go on to uh, John Carpenter. Yes. Um, and and John Carpenter is one of it, or if not your absolute favorite. My favorite. Director. My favorite. Yeah. OK. Un- unparalleled. My favorite. Yeah. What what uh, why is he your favorite? What what about him? Um, like, well, uh, like I just uh, he he has a certain dynamic uh, to his to his films that I love. And I know there's going to people build be people out there. You know, are going to like bring up this gone with the, the wind citizen Kane, like great filmmaking bullshit and fuck you. I like what I like. Um, and John Carpenter is it. Uh, I'm not saying that his- you just said, you just yelled at me off mic for liking Rob zombie and whatever else I said, I liked, uh, and, and not liking Mandy. And now you're telling everyone to fuck you. Yeah. You're right. I didn't say I was right. I'm saying I, I like what I like. <laughs> Yeah, I like what I like too. I know, You're but just... you did cast aspersions upon me. I feel you and well, Phil, I, I, as or I Bill, should. as I should. No, it wasn't Phil. No, it was John. It was Tom. Tommy. It was my buddy Tom when we were talking. Tom, about Tommy, about come bad, on, dude. About your bad taste in movies. Um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, John Carpenter. I, I love him because uh, you know he's mostly known for his his horror films. Um, but he's also made action and sci-fi. Uh, for the most part, his films were uh, commercial failures, but have become cult films in the aftermath. Of course, Halloween was very popular and uh, did well. Uh, and he had uh, Escape from New York and Starman. Those did really well. But the rest of them were uh, failures, in- including – well, not Stinger, but they were just they, – they failed. Uh, then they've become – increasingly popular over the, as time has gone by, but like some of his more popular films, like the thing, uh, were huge failures. Yeah. Uh, but we'll I, get I mean, like box office wise, box office were, wise. Yeah. They tanked. They absolutely. were. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's much beloved now, but I loved him, uh, even just growing up as a kid, uh, uh, big Trouble in little China was, uh, m- was my favorite. I absolutely loved that. I loved escape from New York. Uh, and, then as I got older, I got into all the horror stuff, uh, and we'll get into those movies. But uh, I, I idolize him in a lot of ways because his movies really helped um, get the wheel rolling in my imagination um, and inspired me to want to write stories of my own, particularly when I was 12 and I saw um, – uh, when, when, I was, when I was like 11 and I saw Halloween and I started writing horror uh, stuff, I, I wrote really – really shitty slasher stories uh because i loved halloween so much so i um if if uh, i'm trying to think if i'm remembering because of my uh odd like sheltered life or 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 having things like restricted i want to say big trouble in little china was probably the first of his films that i saw and i remember like it was at uh a video store in our neighborhood uh, a very small video store, like video VHS, go rent a V8. And uh, I wanted to rent it so bad. Uh, but my dad was like, no, we have to ask your mother. So it was one of those things where we had to go home and wait like another two weeks till we rented another movie to get the approval. 
And finally we did, because it was PG-13, I believe, correct? Yes, it is. And so I was under 13 or whatever. And I mean, it looks like it's got like magic and devils and shit going on in the back, you know? And my mom's like, I don't know about that. Like, shout out, mom. (laughs) You're cool now. But... Uh uh, yeah, but, but yeah, she sounds like she was brutal back in the day. Back, back in the day, she had a little <laughs> bit of brutality, but in she had the best intentions. Of course, of course, uh, you know all mothers do. Uh, but that was the first one, and that's a great first one to see because it's so it ima- yeah. it's so fence fantastic fanta- like fantasy. It's so fantastical, I guess. Like it so is. much crazy shit is going on in that. It's also it's also a great one to start with too because I think it encapsulates everything that John mm-hmm. Carpenter was known for. It has a little bit of everything. It has the action element. It has the horror element. It has the fantasy. Sci-fi. Yeah, because has Kurt Russell. It has Kurt Russell. You know, his long his longtime collaborator. Uh, but yeah, okay. I uh, I absolutely love that movie. But let's um let's kind of like move like in, in not it doesn't have to be totally in order, but let's kind of start with this early work and move on. Sure. Uh, from there, uh, so I want to start by saying that uh, uh, John Carpenter was uh, born in New York, uh, much like myself. Uh, so he's automatically cool. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, but he did uh, he did end up growing up in Kentucky, uh, but he became very interested in film at a young age. He particularly liked uh, horror and sci-fi movies and uh, old west- westerns. Um, in fact, uh, uh, he loved uh, Rio Bravo, uh, the, the the John Wayne the John movie. Wayne movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he loved that. Uh, and when you watch uh, one of his earliest films, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, it's kind of a modernized Rio Bravo. You know. Yeah, and I'm sure um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yes. Yes. Movie. Um, but uh, he, yeah, we're going to talk about all of this stuff. But uh, he was a big film fan. He even started uh, making uh, films on 8mm before he was, like, even in high school. I mean, that's how much he loved movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, he grew up, went to film school. Uh, and uh, one of the first things he did is he did a short film called Captain Voyeur. Uh, and this is of note because it was, you know, it was gone for the longest time. But it, it resurfaced maybe 10 years ago. Um, it was found in the archives at the college. Um I forget which college. Wait, wait, what's that called? It's Captain called Captain Voyeur. Voyeur. This was Captain like this was his like student film short film, okay. uh, and okay. it it vanished for the longest time. Uh, but uh, when it was when it was finally found, it was it, it was interesting because so many elements that are in Captain Voyeur uh, were later recycled for the original Halloween. Um, really? But uh, yes, yes, really. Um, okay. But the the first film that he did. Uh, was a film called Dark Star, which is a sci-fi comedy. Yeah, uh, and I didn't watch that one. Okay. Um, for, before this one, but, but I mean, I, I watched a lot of the movies that I, of his that I hadn't seen, right. but I did not watch that one. So take take this one for me because sure. I heard about it. It's like a Star Wars kind of spoo- take. Well, or not something. exactly. No? It's not exactly. Oh, okay. No. Uh, but it is an outer space movie. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a sci-fi comedy. Uh, but uh, what's really cool about this is that he co-made that with uh dan, o- dan o'bannon who uh ended up writing alien uh and also gave us return of living dead uh and uh dead and buried and a lot of really good stuff um so uh that's kind of cool that that's a collaboration between the two of them and the mm. two of them also basically made this fucking movie uh like carpenter was you know like wrote it and and directed it and and scored it and and produced it and Dan O'Bannon uh, did the special effects and starred in it and co-wrote it. And like, like these guys, like, you know, they were kind of the, the, the Chris and John Wayne of the seventies, you know, they were that awesome. 
you know? Hell yeah. Um, they were that awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I, I, you may not believe it, but it's true. They were that awesome. Okay. Um, particularly John Carpenter, like he was, he was awesome as I am. Um, no, Dan O'Bannon's awesome and so are you. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm the Mary, you're the Rhoda. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, but yeah, so the, the, it's a kind of, it's like a funny quirky movie and they've got this alien that's essentially a beach ball, uh, that with feet that kind of just hops around. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen dark star. It's not necessarily my favorite, uh, of Carpenter's works, but it is notable, uh, in that it's his first work and that it's done with O'Bannon. Um, so the, uh, the the second film that he did is is much more well known and ha- has been seen more often, and that's uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. That was his second film. Yeah, uh, you've you've seen that one, I'm assuming. Many times. Yeah, awesome, awesome fucking. Film. Uh, awesome, awesome film. Um, has one of the more disturbing scenes I've seen as a young child that i that girl. that rocked me yeah yeah, yeah i didn't yeah. want to i didn't know when you wanted to get to that i don't want to but, but i mean okay. it, it has like uh <clears throat> i mean do you want to talk about what it's about first yeah, it's, yeah. no go go for it go ahead I, I mean isn't it's like a gang or that's like a basically attacking the police department and yes. they're like holed up in it and with no hope basically they're being overpowered by this street gang yeah, yeah. Of people, but of of a uh, gang folk or whatever. Oh, you know, old gang folk. But there's a scene where this, uh, like I don't know, seven or eight year old girl, like gets a ice cream cone from the ice cream like assassin man, and then he just comes out and shoots her with a silent a gun with a silencer on it through her ice cream into her chest, and it just like, twist. yeah, vanilla twist. She wants vanilla twist. That's what she asks for. Who is that? And, Nick, oh, Nick P is wandering around here. The ghost oh, okay. of Nick P. Um, Vanilla Twist, and it goes through, and it just goes. I remember, like, dude, I don't like this is a memory I have that's etched in my brain of the first time I saw this because yeah. I'd never seen anything that, like, whatever as a kid. Yeah, my that... dad and I are watching this movie in the middle of the day. Like yeah. 11 a.m. because it's on HBO because, you know, that's what rich people do at 11 a.m. on their, you know, on a Wednesday. They just sure. watch HBO. I know. Uh, no, it was probably on like a Saturday or something. And we're just I'm just sitting there watching this movie. And it, this this very young I've never seen. A, I'd never seen a young yeah, child a be yeah. shot like shot and killed in such a violent way. Yeah. yeah. And I was terrified by that scene <laughs> that scene was terrifying yeah. and i watched the rest of the movie but that scene like i just uh it was just one of those things where you're yeah, like it, right, well, I'm, a... cha- I'm changed now like a cha- yeah, it's, I, a, it's a super evil scene uh and you definitely don't see that kind of thing uh in in modern movies uh even at the time it was very taboo in fact uh in fact um the censors did wanted that scene cut um, and they were like, if you want an R rating, you have to cut this scene of this little girl getting shot. And so Carpenter was like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And he talked to his producers and everything. And they were like, well, let's just cut it, uh, and send it to the producers so we can get the R rating and then we'll release it uncut with the R rating on it. And that's what they did. And they got away with it. Like, how no, do like, you get away with that? No one, just no one There's ever no, called them out on it. That was no. before they had like certain like, uh, systems in place or something. I don't know. Or can they anybody just, they, do that now? 
I don't like, know. That seems I, like I, a I pretty know. like uh like what do you call that a one two husker do or something like yeah like, they they just submitted it with the cut version to the MPAA got the got the R rating that they wanted to release it and released it with the fucking scene in, uh, which is pretty awesome. But yeah, Carpenter Carpenter had some balls. Like you know he killed kids back in, in the day. Like you know we, we had that in Halloween three as well, where their little boy gets killed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was fucking awesome. I love it when a fucking kid gets killed. You know, fuck them. Like, well, I mean, getting killed by like a, a, a in a in a a fantastical way, yeah, like a silly a, like, way with like it's it's not well, it's not silly. It's still scary, but it, it's, it's like that, there's nothing in Halloween three that's scary. It was just silly, it, like the snakes and bugs coming out of a right. Mask. It was silly, yeah. But it, it just it's it's a different effect than a grown man just point blank shooting, shooting a for no reason for yeah. not no just be and she's sitting there eating an ice cream cone and you're like oh my god no, like i really super, it's super catless yeah yeah it's 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 yeah so but i love that movie i've watched it a bill i mean i've watched it a bunch of times that i have not watched yeah. the remake because why no, uh, why would you? But no, it's but, a great movie. Yeah, it's it's basically a siege movie. Yeah. Uh, you've got these these cops that are holed up in this police station, and these these gang of thugs, you know, uh, that are outside trying to get in and just kill them. Uh, and uh, like, what's really cool is the the cops end up letting the the people that are in the jail out uh, because they all need to band together. So even mm-hmm. like the people that are prisoners are like, here's a gun. We need to do this if we're going to stay alive. Uh, so yeah, it's a really intense movie. Really good. Yeah, um, definitely one of his best action films. You think? Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Uh, I, like he's in a lot of action, but like that and Escape from New York, I think are my uh, are his best action packed. But I mean, even so, like to to make the comparison again, Precinct Thirteen or Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I'm sorry, is is a, a, like a plausible plausible thing. Yes, like you can look at that yeah. movie and be like. Okay, this could actually happen. Okay, yeah, Escape from New York could actually happen in our yeah. minds distantly, you know, when we're yeah, all that's, like, yeah, that's like a futuristic, yeah, but like, like what if, but no, it's Assault and Precinct 13, yeah, absolutely, it's down to earth, absolutely, yeah, but it shows that he can work in both of those worlds, yes, like the real absolutely. world and the, you know, the horror, whatever, the imagination world, but like, it's not just like he's like, Hey, hey, look, this guy with a knife, he's scary, right? Uh, he's also like, hey, bitch, I can make you scared in your real life. Yes. Shit too. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, there's no like mistake in his chops, I guess. is what I'm trying no, to say. No. Uh, and that actually brings us to uh, to Halloween, um, which came after that. And Halloween was a groundbreaking film uh, for many years. It held the title of highest grossing independent film of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh <clears throat> Uh, and it invented a entire an entire genre of films uh, in horror. It invented the slasher movie. It was the first one. Now, some people may argue that you know Black Christmas had elements of the slasher, and it did. But that was a guy kind of hiding in a house. It wasn't a guy with a mask stalking people, which is what s- slashers really but, became. And also, you don't ever know. Don't we never see the killer in Black Christmas? Yeah, we don't. Oh, really is that a spoiler? It. Oh shit! Uh, sorry. Um, no, not really. We, but no, we don't. We don't really know who it is in Black Christmas. Um, I was gonna say, but, uh, no, no. And Black Christmas is awesome. I'm not trying. Yeah, to... I love Black Christmas. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Either. I'm just trying. But to... I mean, we did have. We also did have um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre before Halloween, and so you did have a masked killer. But that's not really a slasher movie. That's more of a crazy redneck movie. I would. I would relate that more to like something like Deliverance. Uh, uh, as opposed to a slasher film, I don't think of Leatherface as a slasher. Mm. 
to me, okay. a slasher is like a stalk and kill. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I guess I was just like, the, what did you say? The like deer hunter? What? No, deliverance. What you to? Deliverance. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you said. No, not. I was a, like, not how are you comparing? I'm sorry. I'm so no, sorry. No, no, no. Deliverance. No, like, yeah, okay, good. No, fine. like, it, it's an out of, out of your element thing. It's like these people go like out to the boondocks and there's like these crazy people hitting out mm-hmm. there. That's deliverance. That's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a fucking masterpiece. I love it, but I don't consider it a slasher. A slasher. No, I get, yeah. I get you. I, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. I mean, um, so many of the slashers that came after Halloween were deliberately just trying to do what Halloween did. Uh, you know, um, Sean Cunningham, he, he totally says that with Friday 13th. He's like, yeah, Halloween worked. Let's, so we were like, let's do, Let's do something like that. Um, so, uh, you know, all the Jason stuff, you know, the, the Prowler, Madman, all these movies like that, that dominated the 80s were really spawned by Michael Myers uh, from John Carpenter's Halloween. And I right. do want to give credit, too. It wasn't just John Carpenter who created Michael Myers. It was also uh, producer Deborah Hill uh, who co-wrote the script. Uh, and she was just as much of a... Uh, she was like they were like the mother and father of Michael Myers. The two of them, um, they created that iconic monster together. Uh, so she's very much an unsung hero of the horror genre. Deborah Hill. What else has uh, she been involved in? A lot of the Carpenter things. All the car. What yeah. she was married to was that his ex-wife or no? Uh, one of his ex-wives. I I know no I'm not I don't believe. So I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they they collab they were collaborators for many years. I think they were involved at one point. I don't know if they were married though. Uh but he was married to Adrian Barbeau. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh he was yeah, but she, I, I want to say that she came maybe after this person. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, we Dr. maybe we should have looked at this up before. Like maybe I should have I should have looked it up. I know a lot I know a lot about John Carpenter. I don't so you're probably yeah. I don't know every single detail of his personal but, life, but But um, Adrian Barbeau, hubba hubba. Am I right? Hubba hubba, my name is Bubba. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh she was a bit busty. And she was from I mean Adrian Barbeau is from uh classic what uh Cannonball Run. Screecher from the wasn't what was she in? She was not in Creature from the Black Lagoon. No, 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 no. She's in something else <laughs> that, that she's in a some kind of horror Creep show. Movie. Creep, Creep show. show, yeah. Uh-huh. In the water, yeah. yeah. Yeah, creep uh, show, cannonball run, uh, escape great... from New York, uh, yeah. the fog. Yeah, she's in a lot. Of, she's in a lot of classics. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So we've talked at length on the show about the Halloween series. So I don't think we need to get into all of that. Um, no. But uh, you know, Carpenter ended up working on the series for uh, several more installments in some capacity or another. Um, <clears throat> but we uh, talk about the next movie that came out though. We that's what I was that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, The next one was his big studio production. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it was the direct it was directly after the huge success of Halloween. And that's a movie called The Fog. (sighs) (laughs) That's a great way to start talking about The Fog. Yeah, absolutely. Then this is one of those rare occasions where you and I actually agree on a film. We agree to Chris agree on this film. We do. We agree because uh, we both think that movie's boring as fuck. But and and we both we we discussed the, or we talked about this too. Like, there's people who 
that's well, their their movie. Like oh, yeah, there's people uh, now yelling at their device. Like, absolutely, you fucks! Yeah. I'll never call the Corey hotline and tell us why you like the fog because yeah. I am I'm in the fog as to why you would like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Unless you like to, yeah. it, maybe it, you want to put it on before you go to sleep. Is yeah, it like a, it, a meditation I mean, yeah, it's, thing? Like it's, a, it's definitely a two hour sleeping pill. It, I, I mean, it's a snooze fest. Yeah. John Carpenter went back to film more scenes to try to make it yeah. more scary after the fact. And it didn't well, work. Well, so well, yeah. Well, uh, you what, what happened out. is um, they they finished the film, and then Carpenter and the producers watched it and everything, and they were like, "This is so slow. This is so boring. This is such a, a a boring movie. It's not scary." And so they went back and they added more scenes, like you were saying. They filmed more stuff, more like in, instances of violence and gore, and I, I like I can't imagine. Like if if this is if what they came out with was like the final scary version, I can imagine how boring it was before. Because like either. the movie is so slow and so not scary. You know, it's it's fucking p -p -p pirate ghosts. You know, it's like a, a cheesy you know like Scooby Doo concept. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely. And, and one exactly of films. And, yeah. and I and how do you have pirate ghosts when you live on the fucking land? I know, like Adrian Barbeau was like. I have a radio station and a lighthouse. Oh my fucking gosh. What a fucking weird thing. But like pirates haunt the the sea. Like get on a boat or some no, some, some shit. Like why are you I don't like know if you know this, but pirates like docked their boats sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but still like uh, first of all, anything that like has to do with people on the sea, uh sailing and shit like that, I find incredibly boring. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unless there's a giant shark. Oh, but, unless there's a shark. No, yeah. if there's a shark, 100% better. Like yeah, if absolutely. we're just like, if we're like out there and like you're, oh, I'm the captain now. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm not watching that movie. Yeah. But also pirates, pirate ghosts, like P -p -p -pirate do something, ghosts. like something else. Like there was, yeah, no, yeah. it was like, oh, it gets, Oh, it looks foggy out here. The knife is his penis. Like, <laughs> oh, here they come. Their eyes are that red. Is, like, it, it's just so stupid. It How is. are they pirates? Can we have a ship? Can I have a, 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 a sore, a scabbard? Can I have it something is. like that? It is. It's, 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 such a, it's a really empty, boring movie. And I hate to, to, to rag on it because I hate to rag on anything Carpenter does. But I've given this movie several chances in my life. I, you know, of course, I watched it when I was young. And then, you know, years later, I, I you know, watched it again. And, and every time I've tried to watch it, I'm, I'm just like, this is so boring. And I almost like I never make it through. I've literally fallen asleep watching that movie, literally have fallen asleep. Well, I mean, I feel like at least he, you know, he had not acknowledges it and he went back and tried. But yes. like, I guess yes, it was, just too, uh, you know, a, a, a bridge too far at that point, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, um, <clears throat> So yeah, the, so moving on, uh, I don't want to just dwell on how much that Ooh, blows. Escape um, from New York came after that, though. So escape, that, that escape makes from up right? New York. Yeah, uh, also a big part of my childhood. Uh, watching Snake Plissken. Um, yeah, and of course this is a movie that takes place in the future in the nineties because uh, it was made in the eighties. Uh, so it's supposed to be the not so distant future. Is it? Uh, is that one nineteen ninety seven? Is that yeah. what Escape from New York is? That's the year that I graduated from high school. Shouts out. Yeah. yeah. Cool story. Um, Man, you know, I'm trying to make things relatable. <laughs> and you're like, just shoot. Okay. Escape from New York, 97. Um, I kid, I kid. I know. 
Um, no, yeah, Which... Escape from New York is fucking fantastic. You've got Kurt Russell as the legendary Snake Plissken, uh, and the concept of the movie is really cool. Uh, you know, the island of New York City, uh, the island of Manhattan, uh, has been um, just turned into a giant prison. Prison. And, yeah, and so it's like if you and it, and it's just totally lawless. There's no. Um, there's no uh, uh, guards. There's no bulls. You know, and uh, you're just you're just thrown into this anarchy world of it's New like York. Aus- it's like Australia back in the, right. <laughs> the origination of Australia. Like. It is, yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> so you basically you're banished there. But what happens is, uh, uh, for some reason, uh, the president is flying over in in, uh, in Air Force One over. The island because, of- like you do like across you do. a prison colony, over, right over a giant prison, right over it, and uh, and these these terrorists take over the plane, and uh, so he has to escape in a pod, and the pod of course crashes in uh, in New York's in New York, uh, and so uh, what they do is they take this guy Snake Plissken who is already about to go to prison for uh, bank robbery, and uh, and he's kind of like you know this Rambo ultimate badass guy. And they're like, okay, you go in and you manage to get the president out and we'll give you a pardon. You'll be a free man. Um, and uh, so that's basically the plot of the movie. And he goes in and, uh, you know, and he's just like he searching doesn't. for the, he's, he's searching for the president in this like hellish world, uh, you know, so it's pretty cool. And he's got a, a leather duster and a leather eye patch. He's got an eye patch. That's how you know he's cool. And he's got like the long hair and shit. And you also know it is that that's cool because David Bowie once had an eye patch. Get an eye patch, man. Yeah. Um, it was for I fashion purposes, though. He did yeah. it for fashion purposes. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty movie f- has an awesome cast. Freaky, man. Movie has an awesome cast on top of having Kurt Russell. Um, an awesome and eclectic cast. We mentioned that Adrian Barbeau is in it. Harry Dean Stanton, um, Ernest Borgnine, Rest in Power. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ernest Borg, Ernest yeah. Borgnine, uh, Donald Pleasance. Stanton died recently. A lot of the a lot of these people are dead that I'm mentioning. Most of them, um, okay. uh, like Harry Dean Stanton, um, uh, Donald Pleasance, also gone. Lee yeah. Van Cleef, also gone. Isaac not, Hayes, not also gone. No, he's Isaac not. Hayes is alive in our hearts. Go ahead. They're all dead, dude. Um, but these, this is an amazing cast, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's, that's a real. That was like another one that was like a big. Um, it's a little bit science fiction in the sense that it takes place in the in the future, but it's the not so distant future. So there's not you know aliens or or crazy robots or anything. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool, uh, very uh, dystopian nihilistic film. Uh, that uh, approaches authoritarianism, which is something that Carpenter tackled um, uh, later on as well um, in in They Live. You know, Carpenter wasn't a very political uh, filmmaker, but he definitely had his political statements uh, where he was very much against Reaganomics and, uh, you know, uh, uh, hardcore conservative conservatism. Um, and it's definitely reflected in a lot of his films. Absolutely. Um, but after escape from New York, we come into a territory where we have like award-winning acting yeah. going on. Yes. Um, in S- Starman. Star, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Um, the dude. The dude. Dude abides. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's him and Karen Shouts Allen. Shouts out. And- get well soon, dude. Don't die. 
I yeah, swear no, to God. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he uh, limb, What's it? Lymphoma he has? I right? am going to lose my mind. Yeah. You have him tattooed on you. Yeah. Yes. And as you say, uh, you shouldn't have men's faces tattooed. I have uh, his. I have his face and John Goodman's face tattooed. But on the me. ones you have are, are cartoonish. They're, they're not realistic. They're not... No, they're they're good, but they they're 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 cartoonish looking. They're not like they're not like this. They don't look like a fucking photograph of Jeff Bridges. You know, it's like this cartoonish dude with like the, the glasses on and everything. Look right? at yeah. this photograph. It's a tattoo of Christiana. I got on my ass. Yeah. Dude, I'm gonna yes. do that. Oh, that yeah. awesome. <laughs> just, I'll I'll sue you for using my likeness. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I I uh I tried to I used the, I tried to use that uh, uh when the last time I had a job when they're like you have to clock in and take a picture of yourself on the app. I was like, I don't give uh, permission for my likeness to be used <laughs> on this <laughs> on this app. So I would take a picture of the ceiling instead. <laughs> Yeah, I got fired. Yeah, um, but, yeah, yeah I can see. Yeah. But the good news is uh, the people that owned that company just had it yanked away from them by the investors because they were fucking the books up. I'll probably take that out for legal reasons, but go ahead. Yeah, Starman. Um, that was his That was his one uh, like romance movie, uh, actually. and Because it, it is. It's a, it's a romantic story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, Karen Allen's uh, husband passes away. And um, an alien lands on Earth and sees um, uh, home movies of her and her husband. And so the alien uh, transmogrifies into a humanoid life life form and looks exactly like her dead husband. Uh, And they go uh, on like it's like road trip. Uh, they because they go to this uh, landing spot. So his because um, basically his, his his ship crashes, and so they have to go to this landing spot so he can be picked up and return home. And it's a really good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like. It's kind of like people forget about it. Like when they think about Carpenter, they always bring up his horror and cult stuff. But Starman's a very good film. Yeah, Starman's awesome. That's one of those also a movie that I watched a bunch of times as a kid. I yeah. has no idea like. I guess that was I saw that before Big Trouble in Little China. I'm sorry, mm, okay. uh, for sure. I saw that. So you're a I saw liar. That. Yeah, I'm a big liar, but yeah. I also didn't know like I uh, at the time that that was. I mean, I also didn't know either one, but I guess now that I think about it, uh, that one, yeah, I saw before Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, um, and it is um, it is worth mentioning that they, he did other stuff like in between these. Like we're not going in perfect order here. No, we're just kind of yeah. Well, we're we're giving like a, like kind of staying within that, but um, he did do a, uh, some stuff for TV uh, at this time as well, uh, including uh, he did the Eyes of Laura Mars, which he wrote uh, the screenplay f- for. Uh, he did uh, um, Black Moon Rising with Tommy Lee Jones. He wrote the screenplay for that, uh, mm-hmm. and he did uh, he actually directed um, uh, Somebody's Watching Me, which is about a woman who ends up having a a stalker. Uh, so yeah, he did a lot of other stuff too, um, when he was, uh, you know, uh, rising up throughout, um, you know, Hollywood, uh, which was an experience that he ended up really hating. He, uh, he, he ended up really despising like the Hollywood machine and only did a couple of like these big feature films before he, um, just, just decided to do them like his own way again. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so so we have 
Star Man. We, we did move ahead a little bit with um with Star Man. I'm I'm actually pulling it up here. I mean, Star Man was eighty five. So like Yeah, so we definitely jumped ahead. I mean, are we oh we passed the thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, we did. Uh, and, which we definitely so we, shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, we should not. I I'm sorry. Uh we That's okay. That was my okay. fault. That's all right. Um <clears throat> yeah, like no, we're just kinda like and we you know we we passed a couple of things. Um but yeah, the thing is definitely That's the one we deem to talk about for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um The Thing is my favorite horror film. Hands down. Uh, and it's become it's more and more celebrated now than it was for a long time. Um, yeah, it's much more appreciated, which is good because it, it should be. The thing um, is a a reimagining of um, the the thing from another world. The, the you know the uh, the old uh, sci fi film from the fifties, um, and that was based on a novella uh, by Joseph Campbell uh, called Who Goes There. Uh, which was, and he was, um, he was really a hard science fiction writer. Uh, and I don't mean he had a boner, um, but he may have hard science fiction is kind of like this, the old analogs, uh, stuff where it's all mm -hmm. based on real science. You know, a lot of science fiction has no actual science in it. It's just futuristic and aliens. It's not based in, in actual science. His stuff was, uh, and so if you go back and you read, um, who goes there, it's much more based in that. Uh, and you see some of that um, in uh, uh, Thing from Another World. But then uh, once it gets to John Carpenter's The Thing, it takes on a whole different connotation. Um, yeah, that original, the original one is uh, like so boring, by the way. Mm. Uh, the yeah, original it's, it's film. A, it's, it's a very different, the very different thing. For its time, it was, it was, it was, pr it was pretty good. Uh, it was a movie that really inspired John Carpenter that he really loved. Way too um, much talking for my taste. Well, it's also like a guy who's like half plant, you know, running around. Uh, so it's it's a very different thing. But uh, uh, when when Carpenter's uh, the version of the thing came out in '82, it, it, it totally bombed. Uh, but this was also the time of like ET. You know, this was oh, is that what it went up against? Because I'm like, how no, could no, that no, movie no. have bombed? Like it was. Well, I mean, it, well. That... well uh, that's what I was going to get into is that movie that like most of these most of his films did didn't do well um, when they first came out. They're loved now, but at the time they weren't because uh, I think he was very ahead of his time and I think he was very innovative and and uh, and was very rogue in the stuff that he made. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like this this was the same year of E.T. and E.T. was this huge success and it was like the friendly you know alien, the lovey dovey alien. Um, right, You're, uh, the alien you could take home to meet your mom. Yes, whereas the the thing, and there were other, there was other alien movies, but we also had like you know like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and all of these like more friendly ones. Whereas the thing is, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a friendly movie. That guy like left his whole family to go live no, with I'm these supposed the, I, aliens. I know, yeah, I know. But no, I'm <laughs> saying the aliens were friendly, you know, like like Cocoon oh. and like all those things. Um, Shouts out, rest in but, power. Uh, yeah, but friendly. Yes, uh, but the thing also Wil Wilford Brimley started this too. Um, he also started in Ten to Midnight, dude. We forgot to bring yes. him up earlier. Yes, <laughs> he's alongside fucking Bronson, like Charlie Bronson. He fought, uh, is his boss. Yes, and he is. Uh, so in the thing, um, it's basically twelve men are at at, at this research uh, center uh, in uh, Antarctica, and 
they end up getting preyed upon by an alien that is a uh, shapeshifter that also can infect them and replace them uh, and replicate them. Uh, really, uh, it's it's an incredible movie. One of the reasons it's my favorite horror films is because it it captures so many different fears that we have, uh, particularly the fear of uh, of identity. The fear of identity is the, is the one that's always really fascinated me, and um, Carpenter has touched on this in other films as well, where like just not even knowing who you are, that like your whole life is it could be a lie, or that your whole life could be taken from you, that you're replaced. So there's the there's that fear in there. Uh, there's the fear of contamination. There's the fear of the cold and the dark. There's the the fear of paranoia, not being able to trust the people around you. Uh, it's such a powerful, intense movie. Yeah. No, absolutely. What are you doing? You're like moving, like talking, and like, what are you doing? What? You're like, I don't know. You were like looking around and like doing all this. I uh, because I didn't want to interrupt you. Okay. I was looking for a time to. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was thinking, okay. and then I was like, I, but I don't. I didn't want to interrupt. I, I'm trying to let you talk and not interrupt because then you get mad at me. Appreciate that. I I do. I do. Um, yeah, you absolutely do. So anyway, the thing is, the thing is a perfect film. Um really just well performed but it's also it's okay it's per- yeah. i mean I'll, i haven't i haven't i, I haven't i mean i'm not coming against you on that but I've, i haven't i guess i guess i haven't thought in my mind like the thing is a perfect film now i know that faster pussycat kill kill is a perfect film yeah that i think is yeah. a perfect movie it's pretty great uh the thing no, it's not pretty great it's pretty perfect as okay. in it's, it is perfect okay but we're not talking about russ meyer uh, we're talking okay. about John Carpenter. Um, and, that's, and this is a perfect film for John Carpenter. It's a perfect film, period. Uh, but the but the other thing about it that I was going to say is one of the reasons that I think my, like audiences at the time didn't respond to it is not only is it in, incredibly dark and nihilistic, uh, but it also has a ambiguous, nebulous ending as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, where it's like, did they destroy the thing or did they not? You know the the survivors are they are is one of them the thing or are they not? Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's fucking awesome, great fucking. And, movie. I, and it has a great the the scene uh, the blood scene where he's yeah. like figuring out who the the thing is is uh, that's a pretty great scene as well. Yeah. And, and uh, the and the like you know the fucking uh, there's so many great parts of the thing. Just watch the thing. It's perfect. You're right. It's perfect. <laughs> it is. John Carpenter's the thing. Just watch that one. The the uh, stomach that opens up the fucking all that shit. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. If you I haven't seen with, it, I could, could do without the dogs <clears throat> beginning, but I guess no, I, we have, you know, we have I, to do that. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so he uh, he went on after that to do uh, Christine, uh, which was and a Stephen King book, very popular. Stephen yes, King. that's what I was going to say. Uh, it was a novel. It was a uh, novelization. Novelization. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was adapted from the, the Stephen King novel. Uh, and this is the, and this is what makes Christine an anomaly to me is that how could Stephen King, you know, the greatest horror writer of all time, uh, pair up with John Carpenter, the greatest horror filmmaker of all time, and make a movie so lackluster? Uh, and I mean, Christine is fun to watch, but it's. I mean, you were saying how how lame ghost pirates are. This is a this is a haunted car. It's kind of lame, dude. Yeah, yeah no, it is. It, it's lame in the sense of like, I forget what was it. 
Family Guy or The Simpsons, one of those that parodied King, where he's like, uh, this ne-, he's like talking to his editor and he's like, oh, this is a lamp, a haunted lamp monster. And he's like, yeah. ah, when can I have it? It's a haunted car, right? Yeah. But yeah. I do have to say that I found that movie entertaining for what it was. I, I liked it. I liked the scenes where the car like, it's fun. like crushed yeah, it's fun. and changed and all that kind of shit. Cause yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, it, it is a fun movie. If you have to make a movie about a car being, a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I think that they did the best job that you could do. Yeah, that's the best. That. You could do. I, I, I liked it. I, I, I like oh, that, that, that far better than I like the fog. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Absolutely, hundred percent. It's much more entertaining than the fog. But but my, it's not that it's bad. It's that it's just stupid. You know, well, I mean, uh, it's a killer car. I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's like it's just like it's not even like Night Rider. No, no, but it's it's just like maximum overdrive with uh with you know the, another Stephen King thing. It's like the whole killer car thing. It's just kind of silly and cheesy, you know. It is silly, but I do I do have a, a soft spot for maximum overdrive. Oh, I love it, but it's fucking terrible, dude. It's kind of like Halloween three. It's like it's so terrible, but so great at the same time. Why don't the trucks just drive through the truck stop? They're they're already <laughs> driving circles around it. There, there, there's so many. There's so many flaws. With that movie, uh, we could do a whole other thing on it. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get into it right We're now. We're going to do a whole quarter of episodes on Maximum Overdrive. We could. We could. Oh, God. So, yeah, he does uh, the Philadelphia Experiment and Black Moon Rising. He does, like, screenplays and stuff around that time. Uh, Starman comes out. Uh, and then that brings us to 1986. Uh, and his true masterpiece... Would you would you let me just fucking say? I'm I'm trying to show you how prepared I am, dude. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You want to go ahead and say it then? Go ahead. No, you say it. Go ahead, motherfucker. No, no, we already talked about it. (laughs) Big trouble in little China. Oh God! Don't 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 pout on me. Uh, Oh yeah, big trouble in little China. I'm not taking any more notes, by the way. If this is the way that my notes are appreciated. Oh, oh, here we go. He's getting on the rag here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm sensitive. I can't grow as much hair as you. And <laughs> therefore, I am going to take the role. <laughs> so tell me about your troubled movie, your troubled China movie. Well, not, go not, ahead. Not, if not, if gonna, not if you're going to pout about it. <laughs> no, uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh, is my favorite movie ever made. The Thing is my favorite horror movie, but Big Trouble in Little China is my favorite movie ever made. Uh, and the reason is, is I've seen it more than any other film, and I never get tired of it. It always makes me happy. It always makes me laugh. Um, I did not see this movie in the theater, uh, but I saw it on uh, VHS or TV, and I had it on tape, and I watched it so much that my parents were like, okay, we're going to take it away from you if you don't stop. You need to stop watching what? Because I watched it so much, dude. I would put it on like every day. Sometimes I'd put it well, on. What's twice the purpose a day. of taking it away from me if you've already seen it that that much? I guess no, because it was driving them fucking nuts. Because I was watching it all the time. I didn't have a TV in my room like you, Richie Rich. You know, it was just I didn't have a TV in my room. room. <laughs> there was just there was one TV in the house, and I would and I would like sit and watch Big Show in Little China. They're like, no, you you're driving us crazy. We're sick of listening to this fucking movie. Yeah, no, I fucking loved it. I would play Big Trouble in Little China in the in the backyard and stuff. I would pretend I was Jack Burton. I had a uh, a fake um um uh what the fuck was the gun that he had? What the fuck was it? Um ah shit, 
tech nine, a tech nine. I had a fake tech nine uh, as a, as a kid. And then as I grew up, I got a real one. Um, no, like, <laughs> huh? Listen to tech nine, the rapper. No. Well, that's another episode then. No, um, did not, not the rapper, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, fucking love that movie and it and as we mentioned earlier it has everything dude it's 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 funny it's action-packed it's kind of like a western in the sense that like it's this guy you know strolls into town it's like as a stranger and has to like save the day but it also was very innovative in the sense that the main character isn't the the badass it's actually his sidekick uh which is the badass you know Uh, Mm because wayne kicks way more ass whereas jack burton is totally bumbling um well that's like uh that's like a classic trope though that's like the uh, don quixote like like almost like the i i don't know for lack of a better thing like a the tim taylor like al like his assistant al he assists him like al is actually the one that does all the work but tim is like the stupid he's like the figurehead that's exactly how this is like you know, he kicks ass, but accidentally. But it, but, it but went, his partner but it, is it actually. But it, it goes that goes against the trope. That goes against the trope. Whereas, like the you know the the Batman and Robin, where it's like you know there's the main hero and then there's the sidekick, uh, and the sidekick isn't always bumbling. Uh, but the the funny thing about this movie is that Jack Burton is clearly out of his element. He doesn't know that, what the fuck that's, he's no. Doing. That's what I'm talking about. That trope of the yeah. bumbling hero with the sidekick. That's. That's taking up all right, but but what I'm saying is this was in 1986. This is in the time of Rambo and the One Man Army movies, and so it really went against uh, the mold of the right mold. Yeah, but yeah, it went against what was popular at the time, and people just didn't know how to really respond to it. They they didn't like. It was also like all it was everything thrown together. You know, it's it's got the martial arts fights, and then it's got black magic, and it's got monsters and like it's it's all over the place and i and i guess like audiences just didn't know how to respond to that they didn't just couldn't comprehend it uh, again it's another example of carpenter being ahead of his time yeah yeah i mean do you think that like so when i watched that movie for the first time i had no problem comprehending it is it a childlike uh, or it, it, i mean it can't just be like a child thing is it just an imagination type of thing like i i never would wa- i never watched that movie and was like you know what a chinese woman with green eyes first of all let's just take it from there like never like i'm just totally open and just like that to me i was like well that's plausible that could happen yeah i don't think that people couldn't follow the plot i just think that it just they couldn't get into it because it was just too unconventional is what I'm saying. Okay. At any rate, it it did it did very poorly, and it kind of it was a and uh, it was like Carpenter considered his, his like worst filmmaking experience because he had so many struggles with the producers, and it was like a big Hollywood movie, and it was like a total fucking nightmare for him, and that's what made him kind of recede. Uh, Worse than the fog. Well, the experience of making the film, not that he doesn't consider the film bad, it was just the experience, oh, experience. was so grueling, you know. Um, no, he's proud of the movie, but, um, but he, but it didn't do well. Right. And he lost, he did, he lost studio money after that. No, yeah, it totally tanked. It totally tanked, but, um, it very quickly, uh, uh, kind of regained, um, its popularity in uh, VHS, uh, video store sales and, and, uh, became, 
very popular. It's considered widely considered one of his best movies now. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that one, and that brings us to uh, his next film, which was a totally different uh, movie from Big Trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's uh, the 1987 horror masterpiece, Prince of Darkness. And Prince of Darkness, as I said, like he had a lot less of a budget to work with. Right. Because well, it was because, not. Yeah. Because uh, he, six, he had, yeah. He went back to kind of almost independent filmmaking at right, this point. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because of the, the nightmare that he went through with Big Trouble in Little China. Right. And he kind of never went back to that traditional Hollywood because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Prince of Darkness is fucking awesome. And some people would like be like, oh, you, you don't like the fog and it, you know, cause it's slow, but Prince of Darkness is slow too. And I don't think Prince of Darkness is slow. Prince of Darkness is not slow. Prince of no. Darkness is a, a narrative that is written well, that moves forward and progresses the story. And then you get everything that you want out of it. And plus it's got like some right. haunted slime that like you go in the basement and get like, absolutely. What, you know, the fog has none of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't. But, uh, the, but the argument is, is that it's the, that the pacing is slow. I don't personally think that it's slow. What I think Prince of Darkness does is it it creeps along and, and creates this building sense of dread uh, throughout. Um, because I can I can I can see how some people could misinterpret that as slow. Because uh, even like the opening credits like goes on for like twelve fucking minutes. You know, it's interspliced with stuff that's actually happening, but it goes on for yeah. twelve minutes. You know. Um, it's not a type of horror movie where there's a lot of crazy action to it. There's not a whole lot of killing or anything until the big finale. Um, so I like I get where people are coming from when they say that, but it's also wrong uh, because it creates such a a creepy um, atmosphere. There's so much atmosphere to the movie. Have you seen The Witch? I have. Do you like that? No. Okay. Never no, mind. I'm sorry. I didn't like it. I thought it was just, uh, yeah, it was aggravating. Okay, never mind. I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, right. Then, uh, okay, so I didn't find this movie slow uh, or or paced but poorly at all, especially compared to The Fog. Of course. I, I really I really don't. Like, no, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean I can like say that with confidence. Uh, I thought it was cool. Like I thought it's it so cool, it worked itself away around far better than pirate ghosts. Like it's you know devil well, slime. Like well, no, no, it's, it's well that's simplifying it to call just say it's devil slime. Um, well, I mean what, uh, what pirate ghosts is simplifying it as well. It is, but know? but um uh, uh, Prince of Darkness is much is his most intellectual horror film in that it's it's kind of fusing two worlds together: the worlds of the occult. And the world of uh, astrophysics, and um, he actually became very fascinated with physics, uh, and it inspired him to write this, uh, particularly a book called *The Cosmic Code* by Hans Pagels, uh, the great mm-hmm. physicist. Uh, great book, um, and uh, like the the whole world of of physics fascinated him, and he was like, "Well, well how, why hasn't anyone really done the, incorporated this into into the horror genre?" And so that's what he did. Uh, and so it's not just a movie about Satan. It's about those. It's about Satan as a form of the uh, of the sci- scientific astrophysical world. Uh, so yeah, I fucking love that movie. The movie is really brilliant, and so much of it is based in hard science. Um, much like we were talking about Joseph Campbell, uh, you know, before a lot of it's based in it, hard science. Yeah, it's a great film. I think it's awesome. I like oh, it. Yeah. 
That's all I'm saying. I, I totally agree. I fucking love it. It's to me, it's one of his scariest films. It's like his one of his top three scariest films. All right. And it's also uh, the the second in his uh, apocalypse trilogy, uh, what he considers his apocalypse trilogy. Uh, and it's okay. not tri- it's not a trilogy in the sense like the movies aren't related, but uh, three movies he did has to do with like the potential end of the world. The thing is the first one. Prince of Darkness is the second. And then the third is in the mouth of madness, which we're going to get to uh, just in a little bit here. Right. That comes out a little bit later. Prince of Darkness also stars Alice Cooper, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I think I told that whole story of like, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. But so. yeah, it does have Alice Cooper in it. Uh, but after, okay. So after Prince of Darkness, yeah, one year later, we have, uh, we have quite a, a, we have a movie that's recognized and cosplayed mm-hmm. everywhere that we go. Yep. Right. Especially. And yep. rest in power. Roddy Roddy Piper. My man. They live. They fucking 1988, they live. Yep. Definitely his most political uh, film. And if you don't know what They Live is by now, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Turn it off. Turn this podcast (laughs) off. Or don't turn it off. And and also, like, let me ask you this. Do you know who wrote, uh, you know, I mean, do you know who wrote Stairway to Heaven? Do you know who plays that? You don't know that, and you don't know this. Well, that... Stairway to Heaven, much like most of Led Zeppelin's hit songs, oh, were written, like not, uh, poor black a... musicians oh. who they ripped off. But uh, okay. yeah, uh, they're the greatest. I knew, thieves I knew of... you would say something. Well, like it's that. true. Let's Led Zeppelin is the greatest. Off. Led Zeppelin's are the greatest thieves of American black music who ever walked the earth. But um, but yeah, you should like people should know that they they were known for uh, singing that song. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll be taking all of this out where you <laughs> you look like you know what you're talking about. Hey, uh, true, Led Zeppelin, you know, they're the one of the greatest rock and roll bands that ever walked the earth. Uh, so, so they live uh, is definitely Carpenter's most political film, uh, and it was a direct re- reply to uh, the Reagan era, uh, the new conservative era. Uh, and this widening gap between the upper, you know, one percent and uh, modern, the elimination of the middle class, um, that's what really inspired it. Um, but it's also loosely based on a short story uh, called uh, Three O'clock, Three O'clock in the Morning. Um, three o'clock in the what now? It's 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 called Three O'clock in the Morning. Uh, it's a short story by a guy named Ray Nelson. Uh, and it's it's the, the story is vastly different uh, in the story. A guy is at a is seeing a hypnotist show and the hypnotist hypnotizes him and it wakes him up much like the sunglasses wake people up and they live. It wakes him up and he's able to see that we're controlled by these alien beings. We didn't explain that, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and they live. Yeah. So we should probably like yes. just because people probably haven't seen it. Some people. Yes. Basically, it's about. um you know, Roddy Piper is, you know, one of these downtrodden, um, you know, working class people who's put out of work and uh, he's kind of uh, walking the earth like, you know, fucking David Banner and the Hulk and or Kung you know, Fu. Yeah, or Kung Fu. And uh, he uh, he uh, uh, comes across these these sunglasses. There's this group of people who are manufacturing them for a purpose. And what the sunglasses do is they 
when he puts them on, he can see all the subliminal messages in the world. Um, you know, like there'll be an advertising sign that says like, go to the Caribbean. And when he puts it on, it says like married and reproduce, you know, uh, and he realizes we're being subliminally brainwashed into behaving a certain way because there are these, uh, foreign creatures, aliens, uh, who are, are the upper 1%. They're the rich people, the politicians, the people in power, uh, who are controlling us all. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and in the short story, basically this guy wakes up. And, you know, uh, or he doesn't wake up, he gets put into this hypnotic trance, and, and then he's all, all of a sudden able to see this reality. Um, and Carpenter read a comic book version, an adaptation uh, of the short story in a comic book. And Who wrote that it, comic book adaptation? I don't know. I don't oh, know. okay. But uh, there was a comic book adaptation of the story that Carpenter saw and, and loved it and decided to... Um, make that into a film and he incorporated a lot of the politics of, uh, the, the late eighties, the Reagan era. Right. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and it stars, uh, uh, wrestler Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, and it also has, uh, one of the greatest fight scenes. Yeah. I was going to say, if you don't bring this up, I'm going to probably fight you for as long as that fight scene goes on. Yeah. Uh, they fight for 50, 14 and a half minutes or something no, no, like it's not that long it's not that are long. you sure no i'm positive it just it feels like that long because like one minute in a film isn't a long time um uh, no i know but that fight scene i'm gonna look it up right now while we're talking go ahead yeah no, because the, it's, it ta- tell, tell us about the fight scene while i look it up no it's just this incredible fight scene uh it's it's, it's i think it's about five or six minutes which is very long for for a film um you're but, right 15 what did i say 15 minutes you said 15 minutes yeah that's a long time yeah and it's not for 15 minutes but no. god damn it i wish it were it's about it's about six minutes um uh and it feels like 15 though because you know it's it's it, and it's not like modern fight scenes and i hate this with modern fight scenes and movies where there's so many rapid edits and so many cuts that you can't even see what's happening wow it dude just, i just want to i just want to let you know sorry to interrupt i just typed in to google how long is the f and it was like Fight scene in the, fight scene in they live is the just first auto-filled. thing that came up. Yeah, yeah autofilled. Yeah. yeah, sorry, um, but no, it's just six it's, minutes. See, you're right, six minutes. That's what yeah. it tops out at. So, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it it's like a lot of modern fight scenes in films. There's so many cuts and so many edits. It's so rapid that you can't even see what's happening. But with this, it's more of these long shots of them. there is no cuts in this. I want to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, then there are there are a couple of quick cuts where it cuts to one of their faces or saying something, but uh, no, it's it's kind of like it just for the most part it just follows the camera just follows them as they fight and it's this whole choreographed fight and of course you got Roddy Piper who's a professional wrestler uh, and Keith David really holds his own in this yeah. scene as well. Uh, it's really great. Um, and when you watch this scene, you also get tired. Like <laughs> I don't know, like when you fight somebody, you get tired. Mm to fight somebody it's tiring and i just watching this fight scene made me tired and they just keep going and i just have to take a nap uh (laughs) because they won't stop fighting (laughs) no um and actually these these two guys are friends and he's fighting him because he's like you need to put on these glasses you need to see and he's like no you're fucking crazy i've seen you like shooting people in the in the streets and stuff because he's fighting these aliens but his buddy doesn't know doesn't understand that um so yeah that's a really really great uh carpenter movie um 
And the movie he does after that, not so good. Uh, it's a little film that most people have forgotten he even made, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which came out in 92. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. The movie sucks. It's, I don't even, uh, I, I want to tell you this, that uh, I knew that from memory because I didn't even write it down in any of my notes because I yeah. was like, this movie is unmentionable. It is. Um, but I, I'm kind of sad that we mentioned it. <laughs> I, hey, but look, at, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yes, so, you did. You did. I mean, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's unmeant, you know, and you know what? Sometimes you got to make a, a paycheck. Yeah. But uh, the problem with it. Is. The problem what is the it, problem? What is the problem with it? Like, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it does have one uh, uh, one good trait is that uh, the special effects were really good, uh, particularly for its time. Um, they're okay. they're really really good. It was kind of like uh, the early CGI, but it it it, it was really cool because um, you know Chevy Chase is the Invisible Man in this, and that's pretty much the whole plot that I'm going to give you. He's the Invisible Man. Um, yeah. But the but the issue is he's got Chevy Chase and he's not funny in it. Um, it's not it's not really presented as a comedy, and he's kind of involved with Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, I was gonna say like yeah. Daryl Hannah's the also yeah. the other lead. And, it's it's, and like, it's like, like nothing they, that you expect. No, it's a, yeah, it's not it's, like it's not like the Invisible Man that you know from the old Universal film. Um, it's not really a horror movie. It's not. It's kind of a romance between him and her. Uh, and like Sam Neill is chasing him and everything, but it just nothing about it works. It doesn't. Me, like, it just doesn't work as a movie. Can I make at all. a comparison? I think that it's if you like, if you sat down and your parents were like, "Hey, let's look at some of our vacation videos," and then they were like, "Oh, here's a 20 minute soft core porn scene that I've edited of me making love to right. your mother," and that's <laughs> what you watch, and then you're like, "Ah, oh." Okay, this is kind of like memoirs of Invi an invisible man. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> totally what it's like. <laughs> Watching your parents make love in a but cut in a softcore way. <laughs> you could watch it on Cinemax and the penetration is not seen. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey man, I'm trying just trying to make it relatable. <laughs> Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, moving on. Uh, the next one uh, is a, an enormous movie for me. It's it's a movie that uh, really changed my life uh, in a lot of, in many ways. Um, it, it changed the way I thought about how, what horror movies could be and, and, uh, it, it also was a big influence on me on wanting to be a horror writer. And that, of course, is the 1994 unsung classic, In the Mouth of Madness. Green Tomatoes. Oh. Yeah, yes, no, that's <laughs> also, also good. Uh, no. no, In the Mouth of Madness. Um, I fucking love this movie so much. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of Carpenter's best movies. Uh, it's also the last truly great film he ever made, uh, in my personal opinion. But uh, it's about uh, a... Uh, a writer who uh, is a horror writer and the things that he's writing start to become true. Uh, and it kind of just leads to the, just to the apocalypse, you know, uh, this, this is a total mind fuck of a movie, you know, um, you know, I was talking about loss of identity, 
uh, earlier, and this movie definitely plays uh, plays into that as well. Um, you're familiar with the movie, I guess. Are you? Oh yeah, very, I'm very familiar with. Okay, it. yeah, but I, I know it's your like one of your favorites, so I'm not. I'm trying to let yeah. you like do your like talk about it first before I. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, it's an excellent movie, especially yeah. like as a writer watching movies like this and then Barton Fink and such, you're like, yeah. God damn, this is like, this is speaking to me. Oh, totally. um, yeah. That yeah, movie came but, out. Uh, I was 17 when that movie came out and I saw it in the theater over and over and over again. I was fascinated with it. I love the, the story. I love the plot. And also I was really, really getting more serious about wanting to be a writer uh, at the time. And the fact that it was about a writer uh, really, blew me away and also it uh it it leans heavily on uh lovecraft hp lovecraft's work right uh, though it's not based on a lovecraft story the character uh and his books are very lovecraftian and the creatures in the movie are very lovecraftian and so mm -hmm. that was um that was it didn't introduce me to lovecraft but it got me more interested in lovecraft and i started reading uh him more uh because of that yeah um I, I'm sorry. I'm like looking like did John Candy did a, a a comedy movie that is very kind of similar to this, and I'm trying to remember the I name. Believe I believe it's Delirious. Yes, Delirious. That's yeah. it. Yeah, where, yeah, well, where he, he's, he's a soap opera writer, and, and what he writes comes true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, he wakes up in the world that he's created, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then he can write and change it as he's in the world. And right. it, it just, it's not the exact same thing, but it's like, it reminds me, it's like a comedy take on kind yes. of what it is. Yeah, so I was just trying is. to look at that. But yeah, no, this is like, uh, this is very creepy because this, like, it, it, you're not like in, in that movie in Delirious, he wakes up in that world. Mm -hmm. In this movie, we're in the regular world, but what he writes is bleeding into it's, the yeah, world and to grab yeah. him and pull him into that, like, you yeah. know. Because his name is Sutter Kane, right? Like that's the writer, yeah. yep. and like you have these like crazy like the there's a, a very famous scene that's even like a meme where the guy comes in and is like, "Do you read Sutter Kane?" Mm -hmm. You know, the guy that bursts through the thing. So, like it it's it's scary because it's like it it is like kind of a writer's nightmare type of thing where you your creation is creeping into your real world and then you start to question your sanity and. Right. Well, the well, Sutter Kane though he totally embraces it. He embraces the yeah. evil of it. Uh, yeah. And the, the main character, Sam Neill, plays a character who is uh, trying to find him because he's kind of negated on his responsibility to turn in a new manuscript. Uh, and so he's like hired. He's a private investigator. He's hired to find him. And uh, the world is just that he gets dragged into is just completely insane. And he starts to even question his own reality you know um as real reality is basically torn apart yeah um, his reality is completely bent yeah all because, of reality all of reality sutter kane has so he has already uh surrendered to that that whatever that is and then he's just like basically like looming over in reality and just like ah, yeah yeah people in if you watch the video that looks really cool <laughs> So yeah, I, I fucking love that movie. A huge influence. Great on, movie as a writer. Um, and then and that goes back to the the phone call we got from Phil. You know, like here's one thing you can do to help your writing is watching The Mouth of Madness over and over again. As I'm sure he has because he loves John Carpenter. And watch Barton Fink too. Absolutely, another great movie about writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that oh. movie. That movie will if you're if you're if you're if you're a writer and you watch that and that doesn't affect you, then just quit. 
Yeah. <laughs> just quit. And that is my uh, official stance. We're yeah, taking a lot of hard takes on this, and I like it. We're taking hot takes and hard takes. But you know what? That's what it takes. That is what it takes. What it takes, baby. Uh, I so, don't apologize. I this... apologize for nothing. What? I apologize for nothing. Okay. Um, me too. At this point Hashtag in time, Carpenter was. Uh, at this point in time, Carpenter was releasing a movie almost every year, uh, and so the very next year uh, came, uh, and I was so stoked because I was so high on In the Mouth of Madness, and I had such high hopes, and they they weren't exactly met uh, by 1995's Village of the Damned, which is a remake of the older film uh, about the alien children who kind of take over this town. Yeah. Um, now I do like Village of the Damned, but I also think mm. it's a flawed film. I don't think why? it's why 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 if, if I was if I was like a Christopher Walken, I would say why do you like that movie? Because it's yeah, it, because to me it's not like the it's like they got a robot that they put Kirstie Alley's like skin on to do her lines. And then I think that, like Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve, is delivering his lines only because right off camera someone has a gun pointed to his head, mm-hmm. uh, and that is exactly how I feel like his lines are delivered. Right. This entire yeah, I movie. That from and it. I watched this entire movie, dude. I watched right. all these movies. I have notes, very prepared. I and appreciate I think that. that this movie uh, is not only poorly acted, but talk about plot holes. What the fuck are you guys doing? Leave. Fuck these kids. Shoot these kids. Kill these kids. Why do we like these kids? Well, we no, already the, know from the beginning they, they are alien fucking kids or whatever. Well, they don't know it from the very beginning. They do. They no, accept they it. No, they don't. They absolutely they don't. don't. They don't know what happened. No, they don't know what happened from the very beginning. Um, you know, like then everyone gets pregnant and they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. shit, this has something to do with that time when everyone fell asleep for. Yeah, no but they reason. don't know what it but they don't know what it has to do. They don't know that there were fucking aliens. What right. happens it, it, they it, right at the, the beginning? Those kids start fucking shit up and they realize it. They're like, oh, these kids are. No, they don't. Because yes, what the they kids, do. No, they don't. I've seen yes, the movie several do. times. No, what happens in the movie is that. The kids, they, they do start fucking shit up right away, but they don't know that it's the kids that are doing it. What the kids do is they, the, these children can, uh, can control your mind. And, and so, like, they, they cause people to, like, jump off of cliffs and kill themselves and stuff. So it looks like these people are committing suicide or whatever, but the, the people in the town, for the most part, don't know what exactly is going on. And the few people that start to clue into it end up getting killed by the kids. You know, because they know what you're thinking. They can read your mind. You know, so if right, you're but like, trying you get... to leave town or something, they know it and they kill you. But the, the disparity in that is like people do know what they're doing. And like Christopher Reeve is like in the schoolhouse, like teaching them. And like they they like are like, OK, That's we much know these kids the can read our minds. So let's try to play the game, but they're not even really playing it. But they're they know that. Like, but that's much later in the movie. You're saying it starts right away. They don't. They don't know that right away. You know, they're raising these kids, and in fact, Chris after Marie, they like, had one of the kids I, is I, his. I guess yeah, it is one of his kids. But I'm saying like I guess like after they have after you get past all of this elongated explication that is not needed, 
and they have the kids and the kids get like a couple of years old and it's like oh my god they're mind controlling us and making us fucking do stupid shit like they get that and then they're like it's it becomes like uh the i didn't do it boy a la simpsons a la twilight zone thing where it's like that's good that you did that bart because if we say something then you'll right. fucking fuck us up right and, well that's their only choices because they you can either they they there's two different approaches that they take one is that okay we can try to teach them humanity and to not be evil and try to work with them because granted like these kids are actually the kids of these people and so they don't want to just kill their own children but then there's the other part of the people that do want to but then they like they form a fucking group with fucking you know vigilante group with pitchforks and torches and the fucking kids make them all kill each other because they control minds like so they they, like there's little that they can do but right anyway between a rock and it reminds me of that movie that we watched with poots in it uh with vivarium vivarium because they know that they're trapped. The kid knows they're trapped. And the kid is just like, tell me this, tell me that. That's kind of how these kids are. That's how these kids become. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Basically, to just to kind of uh, go back for people who don't know, what happens is it's this small town. And one day uh, something happens and everybody in the town just passes out. Middle of what they're doing, they pass out. And this, this is so fucking creepy. Like that whole scene is so creepy. Uh, the movie starts the out. Part, really that's well. the best part of the movie. The movie starts out very well, um, and then what happens is like eventually, like the people wake up, and then after that, many of the women in the town are pregnant, uh, including women who like to, had never like a young woman who was a virgin had never had sex right. exactly. and like stuff like that. Uh, so it's like this weird phenomenon. Uh, but anyway, the kids are born, and they're these evil kids, as we mentioned, and you find out later that they're uh, alien implants. Um, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is like they all fell asleep while they got impregnated by or or everybody that could be impregnated or. Yeah, they made everyone pass out. And then a lot of these women ended up. And a lot of people died, too. Like it was like it was like planes crashed and fucking cars like everyone. Everyone in this vicinity. vicinity. Yeah. So like I, I was driving and he crashed his truck. And yeah. 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 And I did like also when they they got there and they they painted the line. Yeah. on on the street like when we go past this we know we're fucked and yeah. they send that one guy in there and he passes out and they pull him back and shit yeah. Yeah. i like that a lot i thought okay, i was like okay that's cool but then like they see like oh the cows are getting up and then everyone gets up and they're like what happened i don't fucking know <laughs> but then they go in there and it's just kind of like well i guess we'll just go on with our regular lives if everyone passed out in my neighborhood but they don't just go on with their regular lives. The government comes in and the government comes in and they're doing tests on everybody. And it's like they, they, they're trying to figure out what happened. But then after a while, it's like, well, what's a phenomenon? We don't because they can't figure anything out. There's not there's not there's nothing that they can put together. You know, uh, so yeah, it's the, but I'll agree. It's not I'll agree that it's not the greatest uh, movie. It's not the best Carpenter movie. It's definitely flawed, but I still like it. It's not one of his worst movies. It's better than the fucking fog. It's better than the fog. <laughs> but, but I don't want to watch either of these movies again. Right. That, but, that's what I'll say. Movie, like, I, okay. I, I, I could watch like De- Game of Death or whatever, like for Christopher Reeve, uh, if you want to watch a really great Christopher Reeve movie. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, that That's one. Not this. Yeah. Okay. So, didn't they remake this movie? Did well, they no, remake this, no, of the this, this, this was a remake. 
this was a remake. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't make a more modern remake. Not that I know of. of. They might. No. Uh, not that I know of. No. I mean, I'm no, sure it was I mean, an old. It was an old British horror film, sure and it was. Shitty. It was an old British horror film, I believe, from the '60s, and John Carpenter remade it in '95. Um, but anyway, talking about bad movies, uh, unfortunately, his movies really went downhill uh, after this. Yeah. Um, the next movie, like like I was saying, he was coming out with a movie almost every year. He comes out with Escape from L.A., the long-awaited sequel to Escape from New York. Uh, and also, one of the worst sequels sequels of all time for me. Really? Um, it's what so awful. It, what made it that for you? It's just cheesy and not nearly as dark as the original. Uh, but it's it's just... It's so fucking cheesy. And it's one of those sequels they basically just try to redo every scene from the original, but a little bit differently. You know, like mm. in, in Escape from New York, he has that great uh, uh, battle to the death, you know, in, the, in that ring. And in this yeah. one, there's like a basketball match to the death. It's so fucking stupid. Uh, and there's like, and he's like, Snake is like surfing with Peter Fonda and stuff. It's fucking retarded, dude. That, the so surfing bad. scene is pretty bad in that. It's movie. so awful. That whole movie, dude. So, it's it's pretty bad. It's so fucking bad. Uh, like the only, the only sequel like worse than that, I think, is the Phantom Menace, which, it, which completely killed Star Wars for me. Like I, I have not watched a Star Wars movie since that because it was so mind blowingly shitty. Um, well, I don't know anything about star wars so you'll have to save that for a podcast well you're the one quoting yoda yeah (laughs) i mean only because like uh it's either i can quote yoda or uncle ben you know like uh you know with great with great power comes great responsibility oh okay i thought you were i thought you were uncle ben's rice that's where you went because you're a racist piece of shit yeah oh oh, no you're the one who brought it up so uncle ben uh with great power comes great responsibility and yoda do or do not there is no try also i have the these are uh, i bought these from a uh, a home store and i have them inscribed on my wall and i'll turn the camera to no i'm just joking okay. i don't yeah. um those are the only two well, with great rice comes great dinners uh as Uncle dude Martin i love said. rice mm-hmm. yep uh you know what i don't love is uh the next film that john carpenter made which was uh in 1998 uh called vampires Okay, I we've like. Talked we've yeah. talked about this. I I read the book mm-hmm. uh, that it's based on Vampire. Uh, it's a Vampire Dollar Sign. Mm-hmm. Is the book is called. Yes. Um, it stars. And we did talk about this a lot on one of our previous. We did. Episodes. It stars James Wood. Uh, it is debatable. Whatever. I I liked the concept of the movie. Uh, I don't think it delivered, and I also don't think that the book. I really had a lot of problems with the book and that it broke a lot of vampire rules that I just did not like. Right. I did talk about it on other episodes. So I won't belabor the point, but um, the, the, the movie is enjoyable like to watch at least once. Like if you want to check it out, it's a, there are good vampire. Yeah. It's a there... decent vampire book and it has like cool ideas. That they explore in that they, uh, stake vampires in, in their nest and pull them out into the sunlight on a winch that's right. attached to the 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 stake, but the stake should have killed them immediately anyway. Mm-hmm. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's it has some cool parts, but the book is I would not recommend rereading the book unless you are of a lower uh maybe like a 
middle school reading uh, yes. <laughs> perhaps well, the, the film the film um definitely has some cool moments there's some great kills like the whole motel scene massacre uh uh yeah it's it's got some really cool moments um but we mentioned this before too like where james woods is just not uh, an action hero he just does not pull it off at all as being this badass you know vampire slayer um you just can't like James Woods, like he's like the sleaze ball in Casino, like that. That's what he works as. He's not a, a fucking action hero, uh, so that was a, a bad choice. But uh, the movie blows even on top of that. But it has some good special effects and good kills, uh, and a good score. It's uh, worth so. watching once. Yes, unlike the next film I'm going to mention, which is not worth watching once. This is to me. This is John Carpenter's worst movie that he ever made. Okay. Um, and that's 2001's Ghosts of Mars. And and for that reason, I have not watched that movie. Because yeah, I was told by you and a couple of other people, including somebody whose voodoo password I have, yep. uh, that I can DM to you, uh, to not watch it because of how bad it is. It's so fucking Is bad. it that bad? Because I've been tempted to actually just watch it. Dude, I'll watch The Fog eight times before I watch Ghosts of Mars again. Really? Yeah, it's okay, fucking then bad. I have no, I, then if that if that's true, then I have no. It's desire. true. It's true. It's not. It's not as slow. Poster. It's not. It's not as slow as the fog, but it's a hundred times worse. It's fucking awful, dude. It's fucking terrible. It's so bad that John Carpenter pretty much stopped making movies. Uh, he, like it was nine years. He, this is a point where I was saying that he was making a movie almost every year after Ghost of Mars. It was like nine fucking years before he made another movie. Um, it's it's ghosts on Mars stupider than pirate ghosts they're they're and the ghosts on mars they, they look like did he writes this yep. uh did he uh let me check let me see uh yeah I mean, he wrote it he wrote it he did uh and it and it's it stars fucking ice cube and jason Statham and pam greer um it's it's a just it was a huge stink bomb uh it tanked big time uh, and it should, because it was really bad. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, the ghosts on this planet are, like, they look like Marilyn Manson. They, like, they look like drag queens, you know? Um, I don't understand what that was about. But, um, and I don't really remember what the what the whole plot was. But basically, like, it's, he tries to set up this, like, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 thing where these people, including Ice Cube and, like, it's cops and these criminals, and they're like on this train on Mars, and they end up having to fight the ghosts. It's so unbelievably bad, dude. It's 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 painful. All it's right, painful. so don't watch that one. No. However, one the one saving grace is the soundtrack is fucking phenomenal. Uh, it's you know it's John Carpenter did the score, so it's that great John Carpenter score style. But he uh, he teamed up with a lot of heavy metal legends, so you've got that like Carpenter synth. But then there's like a layer of like the electric guitar. He's got guys from Anthrax. He's got Steve Vai from uh, White Snake. He's got um, Buckethead. He, he's Hold on, I'm sorry. Games. Did you say Steve Vai from White Snake? Yes. Steve Vai is from Steve Vai, dude. Well, no, he was the guitarist for White Snake. He was the guitarist for a lot of people. I know he was. Steve Vai. But, but in, dude, from in my day, he came from fucking White Snake. Like, no, he did not. He absolutely did. In okay. my day, in my day, he ended up doing a lot of stuff. I know he did. He had a lot of solo albums, but Steve Vai is a virtual one of the virtuosos. I know he is. I know he is. Top. 
But to me, like, don't get mad at me, dude. I play guitar. I know these things. You can't yell at me for this. I I can yell at you. I'm yelling at you for this. Yeah, well, I'm he's fucking. You said Steve I from Whitesnake. He's not from Whitesnake. He's from from a lot of things, dude. I know, but but in my day, that was my introduction to him was Whitesnake. So, you know, and that was like his first break. He was in Whitesnake. He was. He played for fucking Frank Zappa. What yeah. are you talking about, dude? Well, this, was, this is where like people like really grew to appreciate it. <laughs> this is where you don't know what you're talking about. And you go on and continue talking about John but, Carpenter. But Frank, the, the, like, Frank, Zappa is is as, Frank Zappa is Stop not as important as White Snake. Talking. <laughs> Frank Zappa is not as important as White Snake. Oh my God. I'm about to end this fucking podcast and this friendship. This is about to explode into insanity. Finish. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh God! At least he wasn't a fucking thief of American black music like oh, Zeppelin. I'm ugh. so anyway. He, he teams up with Steve Vai of White Snake uh, and a lot of other um, <laughs> heavy metal legends uh, yeah. for the ghost, for the score to Ghost of Mars, which is really awesome. It's the only good thing about sure. that. So when did that come out? Ninety eight, two thousand one. Yeah, awesome, great. 2001 is known for the great music that came out of 2001, <laughs> specifically uh, the Ghost of Mars soundtrack. And it's everyone, fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a great, it's celebrated year of music. It's so good. It's, it's like so wine. Good. It's like great fine wine. Now, people, people forget because people hate the movie so much that they don't even like give the give the soundtrack a, a chance. But no, it's not. It's not like fucking songs. It's it's a score. It's just like a, like it's just like one of the lost themes, like Carpenter albums. But it's like a heavy metal one. It's it's awesome. It's really good. Uh, so anyway, after I mean, Stephen Vai didn't even do anything after that. Stephen Vai, he was just you done. Stop that. Just stop it. You <laughs> fucking just stop it. Uh, oh god. Stephen um, Vai did not do anything after that. <laughs> or they hung or, it up. White snake. Greg's dad's dick is rolling over in his grave right now at this. Like, at this, because this is being pumped into his coffin, and I know it is, this exact podcast, and he is very upset. Shouts out to Greg. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, White Snake. Moment of silence. Um, So, yeah, it was nine years. Burn that club down? What? Didn't White Snake? That's Great White. That's Great White. White. Okay. Good. You saved yourself on that one. No, no, yeah, no, that was great white. Um, no, there was great white, there was white lion, and there was white snake. And white snake was, uh, he, he was the guitarist for white snake, and that's where people know him from. That's where he got his start. And uh, then he had like a failed solo career, and then, like, you know, then and that was it, you know. Um, no, no, he's a virtuoso, he's a great guitar player, but uh, he I is, he is from white snake, dude. He's not from white snake, he totally is. He played on the white snake albums. He is not. He was a member of the band. He was not a member of the band. He's a member of the recording. He's a member of the recording. No, don't make it like he was a guest appearance on some albums. He was the fucking guitarist of the band. He was not. Yes, he was. Played on the albums. He did not. You didn't even know who the fucking White Snake was. You thought they were great white. You didn't even know what the fuck. You didn't even know who they were. Dude, I know who Steve I is. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. The guitarist of White Snake. All right, go ahead. The Corey uh, Hotline is going to melt. <laughs> yeah, all you White Snake guitar fans, call us and let us know how Steve I is your favorite 
guitar player of Whitesnake. The only guitar player of Whitesnake. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, you're basically being like, Nikki Six didn't play for Motley Crue. That's basically what it's, you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it is. It's oh, the same exactly thing. It's, like, it's a fucking hard fact. It's a hard fact. Nick every song for Motley Crue. He formed the band. And Steve Vai did the exact same thing for Whitesnake. Well, I don't know if he was that important to the band, but he was. You just said he was the. He was the guitar player. Nikki Six? Nikki Six played bass. Oh, I was saying that you're basically saying. Uh, I'm basically saying you. You're basically saying that the guy wasn't in the band. Let's just let it go. Let's Chris agree. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Fine. Because Um, we're about to start talking about the nudie bar. Anyway, he plays guitars on the Ghost of Mars soundtrack. Um, And I'm sure you're going to be like, no, he didn't. But he did. Um, no, I'm not you, dude. <laughs> just... anyway, anyway, it was nine years after that fucking stink bomb that Carpenter finally directed another film, and it was the last uh, film that he directed. It was in 2010, and it was a movie called The Ward. It's totally forgettable. Yeah. Um, totally forgettable movie. Yeah, uh, Most people do forget it, as they should. It's, it, it, I mean, it, it's not a bad movie, but it's just kind of like it had already been done by the time it came out like the the concept was just kind of like yeah okay you can see it all coming yeah i mean it's not it's not what i would say remember john carpenter from but john carpenter now like he's like fucking smoking weed and playing synth music on tour with his Mm -hmm. son and shit like he came through houston a couple times like he just like smokes like a joint and jumps up and down behind his like giant like uh his like uh sit like his keyboard things that are like all around three sides of him and stuff like and what and you know what he deserves that what is he like 87 jumping up and down doing it he's not 87 he's like in his early 70s but he's uh, in the 70s but yeah he's smoking weed living like a fucking doctor as a rock star and just doing this thing man like and that's and that's all you can hope to do you know what if if in 20 years or 25 years or 30 years, somebody, some fucking idiot assholes are on a podcast talking about how one of my books was so fucking shitty that it didn't compare to like this other thing that I did, I could hope to be so fucking lucky, yeah. you know? And meanwhile, I'm jumping up and down at that time while they're talking about how shitty I am, I'm smoking the best weed ever pushing buttons and making sounds with my with my son in front of thousands of people mm-hmm. yeah go absolutely. ahead that's it that's all we can no. hope for no he, he and he like he said that many times too where people are like oh you ever gonna make movies again and he's like no i'm, I'm retired all yeah, he wants to he? do is all he wants to do is smoke weed and play video games and uh and he then he likes making music with his son and uh isn't I was that actually, all we want to do i don't want to do video games are weed but i want to be able to just do whatever i want yeah absolutely you should i'm gonna come up there and smoke some weed with you dude oh i'm not gonna smoke weed i don't like weed and i don't play video games because uh, i don't play video games either i mean i, I don't I have shit to do yeah yeah i have shit to do I've so steve by was the uh was the guitarist of white snake from <laughs> uh 1989 to 1991 yeah mm-hmm. he was yeah so there that's exactly what he's known for yeah, well, when I look up Steve Vai, it says music groups, and the first thing listed is White Snake, mm-hmm. and then it says Alcatraz, and and uh, it also mentions uh, some guy named Frank Zappa. Yeah, he played with him for from eighty to eighty three. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no one remembers that. What we remember is here I go again on my own. You're right. You're right. No, much you're better, absolutely much right. Better band, dude. White yeah. Snake, okay. Of course. Better, yeah. White Snake. Uh, I don't know. Frank Zappa. I'm not sure that how yeah. you pronounce that. It sounds Zelzebub, made up. Some shit. Sounds made up. It's probably bullshit. I can't probably name some a three chord bullshit. I can't name a finger, single fucking song by that guy. Um. Anyway. Um. I'm gonna have friends calling me saying, <laughs> "How are you friends? How are you friends with this guy?" Frank didn't Zappa's gonna like, call me. Didn't he do like? Didn't he play for? Um, uh, never mind. Um, Stop. I think I think Frank Zappa did too legit to quit was his big hit song, wasn't it? Okay, let's just keep uh, let's just keep going. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's what. Carpenter well, that's MC Hammer, and I had that record as well. Yeah. Um, a true a true performer. Um, uh, yeah. So that's what then. So we already kind of got to what Carpenter uh, does now, but he is really one of the, I think the only like surviving legend of like the masters of horror of, of like the old days man like george romero toby hooper wes craven they're all gone uh what? Stuart gordon rest in power he died earlier this year uh right. larry cohen died this year um power. yeah uh, uh-huh. we didn't also we uh just i wanted to touch on body bags real oh, quick yeah, yeah, because yeah, that sure. was something that he did yes. that was like uh a, a supposed to be a uh com- Competitor, I guess, to Tales yeah, from the for, Crypt. I believe it was Showtime. Showtime. And he had, yeah, and he was basically trying to do his own Tales from the Crypt thing. So it was supposed to be a series, and the movie was basically like a pilot. Yeah. Uh, and they had three it, stories, anthology uh, and it, style. Yeah. 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 And it failed. It failed. Yeah. yeah. But it, uh, but it is on like Shutter and Prime. If you want to watch it and check it out, I think it's uh, fine. It's no, fun. it's fun. It's fun. It's it's not. It's like it's not nearly as good as Tales from the Crypt. Oh no, not at all. Um, but, but you can uh, see how it would have played out to be. It could have worked. Yeah. yeah, it could have worked. And the first two segments are directed by Carpenter, and the third one is directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, and the third segment is actually the the one that is the most horrifying, uh, the yeah. most f- disturbing. I mean, it's got Mark Hamill, and uh, he loses his eye, and his eyes. He gets the a donor a donor eye. And there's um, full penetration, by the way, in that there is a you can. No, Mark Hamill is yeah, but zoom, watch that and zoom in on that sex scene with Mark Hamill and that chick, and his dick is in her vagina. I promise you. Well, the, what's super disturbing about that is there's that disturbing. scene where he, there is that scene where he's um he's like fucking the dead body. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like the guy's fucking mom and everything. Like the guy who he got the eye from, he's like re envisioning this the the moment in that that serial killer's life where he was like fucking his mom, dead mom. It's crazy. So yeah, there's some intense shit in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, he did other TV stuff too. Like he he made a a by a biopic of uh, of Elvis, a movie called Elvis, where Kurt Russell plays oh, Elvis. Shouts yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he, so he definitely did a lot of TV work, the Philadelphia Experiment and other ones that we mentioned. Yeah, so he, he has and done a lot of stuff. He's one of the uh, greats. He and, also did two episodes. What he wants. Sorry. He, he also, like, I think his last actual directing work were the the Masters of Horror series, mm-hmm. um, where they were like short movies. They were like forty five minutes to an hour, and he did two of those. Uh, Cigarette Burns was one of them, and that's uh, that was actually pretty good. And then the other one, I think, is called rebirth or reborn or something and it's it's not so good okay, but the okay, cigarette okay. burns was good cigarette burns was pretty good yeah and i think those are available uh from showtime um I th- they should be though because that was and, show. Yeah. yeah and so like that i think 
Prime has those Masters of Horror, or they do. Have, if you want to check those mm-hmm. out, but you don't have to. Honestly, some um, of them are good. Some of them are not. Um, I mean, as far as John Carpenter's career is concerned, uh, you yeah, don't yeah. Like, well, you I can... mean, that's like that's like the 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 last directing stuff he did. Other than he he directed the video when he came out with the anthology album, where he and uh, the guys did, uh, they did new versions of um, all these classic themes. He did direct. Came out. Of, came back to the director's chair to direct the music video for Christine. When they did the theme to Christine, uh, he actually directed that, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah, I I could only hope that like one day, uh, you and I are uh, you know people are like do this, do that for us, and we're like nope, we're mm-hmm. just gonna smoke weed and we stand back to back like uh, you know like kids news and shit, yeah. <laughs> and and like. Arms crossed, Play, and like we hit the fucking button, and like dan 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 and that's it. And then that's what we do. We're like, that's well, what we're be doing. So famous by then that Steve Vai will play our fucking Steve team. Vai will come. Will yeah. because he'll probably be dead before then, and then we'll yeah. resurrect him as a cyborg, and, and as a cyborg <laughs> with a spirit of a human inside of it which makes ah. it even more evil and 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 hardcore yes and he will play anything we ask of him from twinkle twinkle little star to whatever we want and he will be yeah. our servant steve <laughs> I, we're coming for you Hot. steve I of white snake steve yeah. I of white oh, snake <laughs> we're coming for you buddy <laughs> We're on our Here way. I go again. In on my own. Coming for Steve I again. Song is great. Uh, well, I think John Carpenter is one of the masters. I don't think that we can deny that. No, I hope I hope that master. nobody is listening to this can deny that either. Uh, you know, maybe if you learn some stuff, if you haven't watched some of these things that we talked about, I definitely say yeah. go back and watch them. Even the bad ones that we talked about, because. Not Ghost of uh, Mars. Yeah, you don't have to watch Ghost of <laughs> Mars. You could probably watch like a YouTube wrap up on that. Like, you know, like. You oh. should do that, by the way, because you were saying you hadn't seen it. You just go online and like to. watch a couple of clips, dude. Oh, yeah. You fucking really sold it to me. You and everyone else I talked still, to. Because like, it's like, you will be you will be amazed at how bad it is. It's the I thing. don't want like, to, because I feel like then I'll be like, that's why I'll I said just a couple of taste in my mouth. Like, nah, it's just like. It's like mind blowing how shitty it is. But anyway, um, no, like, uh, uh, and like, we have like kind of ragged on uh, a couple of his movies here. We dissed them, uh, as the kids say, um, dissed. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, but we also praised his excellence because he truly is excellent. Yeah. Uh, the majority of his work is fantastic. The movies of his that are good are phenomenally good. Yeah. Uh, and I love his music too. Um, I fucking love John Carpenter. So. Yeah, yeah, his music is awesome. Like if you have Spotify or any of the streaming services, uh, you can check out. Like he's he's got so many scores that he's done, and uh, you know, there's countless uh, playlists that you can pick of John Carpenter and have listen to like the things that he's done. Very very innovative to filmmaking and music and the music. Did that, I tell you that goes that... into filmmaking? That's that makes you actually because. Music is so important in filmmaking. We have to have a, a, a an episode about that at one point. We did. We discussed just... that. We did. Did we have another one? We discussed. No, we had, but we did have one where we discussed the importance of uh, film scores and and their effect on cinema. 
apparently we've already had a discussion about that. So go back and listen to it. But it's yeah. very important. But John Carpenter uh, is one of those people who. who and I uh, actually I got to see him perform live in 2017. I got to go see him uh, on his anthology tour where he was playing all the themes to his films. And like in the background, they had a screen up and they were playing like scenes from the films as he was performing the music. That's cool. It was, it was like it was, it was a dream come true for me. Uh, like when when he played uh, Big Trouble in Little China, I just I just about lost my mind. Dude. It was it all came full circle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, I would love I would love to go to a concert with you. Yeah, Steve I. Where we'll Steve I we'll like it, when it we're seeing White Snake and Steve <laughs> I steps out on the stage and I, and you lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I would just love to be a part of that. Yeah. And you'll be like, dude, I like doing the Frank Zappa days. You'd be like, oh man, like someone actually listened to that shit? Like, wow, I'm amazed yeah. that you actually oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, I love you. Uh I love you too. Uh, this is a good show. Like so Yeah, I think we did okay. John Carpenter, uh, <laughs> we're, we're horror people. If you like John Carpenter, if you don't, I hope that we've turned you on to him in some way or yeah. shed some more light on his career or whatever. I mean, we just turned you on. I hope we turned you on. He's one of our uh, influences mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. In like, uh, in as much as you hate to uh, bring up Rob Zombie, as far as being a renaissance man, uh, John Carpenter is also one of those in a sense of writing, making music, making his movies, yeah. uh, doing it all. So uh, cheers to John Carpenter. I can only hope to achieve a third of what he has achieved. Absolutely. And, uh, cheers to you. My and friend. cheers to you. Cheers Thank to you. you. Uh, all right, folks, we love you. Call the Corey Hotline. And we'll talk to you next Call time. the Corey Hotline. Um, uh, it is 832-930-1347. Leave us a message. And Sheila, <laughs> you, you saucy minx, I'm sure we'll hear more of your adventures. Keep writing this on the fucking bathroom please walls. <laughs> keep giving this, please keep giving this out as your fake number to guys. Yep. <laughs> we would really appreciate it if you did. Oh, that's Thank great. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>